Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What a weekend of football. Good college games, good pro games. Uh, you got to have your quarterback, right? I mean, it's a quarterback-driven league, and that's just the way it is in the NFL. The Packers are staying along with one loss. Aaron Rodgers misses a game, they lose. Aaron Rodgers comes back, they win. Period. End of story. Russell Wilson, you know, he had the finger surgery. He'd been out for a while. Seahawks on the road in the bad weather in Green Bay. And, you know, they're not clicking. They, they got no mojo, and they get shut out. I guess I'm, I'm always surprised when there's a shutout in the NFL, but I'm not surprised Seattle lost. And that uh, with Wilson coming back, it wasn't like it was a great team having a great year. And miss your quarterback for that long and not be clicking. I get it. Arizona has been clicking. Everything's been growing, going great. But without Kyler Murray, uh, they, they got beat pretty bad. They, they got beat. I mean, they didn't get beat Atlanta Falcons bad. But they got beat pretty bad. But I, I, it's hard to get worked up about Arizona losing that game without Murray. It's a little bit like Green Bay losing the last game without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you don't have your guy, you're not going anywhere in the playoffs. So, in my mind, those are still the two best teams in football based on the results we've seen on the field. The Titans are 8-2, and and I'm impressed. They stop a two-point conversion to win this week. They got a couple of interceptions, a pick six, and a first and goal off the other one and found a way to beat the Rams. I'm impressed with Tennessee. I can't believe they're going to win it all without Derrick Henry. That, That seems surprising to me. Now, the Rams, who really laid an egg against Tennessee, can bounce back, beat the Niners, get to 8-2. That's the Monday Night Football game tonight. We'll spend more time on the NFL coming up uh, later in the show. And there was good college football around the country, too. Baylor beating Oklahoma. Uh, Let's just label Baylor a hard place to play. How about that? They got a good team. Uh, They got a... They they got quality wins. They beat BYU at home. They beat Oklahoma at home. That's two fifteen teams, two top fifteen teams that have come in there and been beaten. Now Oklahoma was top ten before the loss, but they're not after the loss. So great wins for Baylor there. Uh, let's get to the local college football. This is the weirdest thing. Utah State, and we will talk with Blake Anderson later this morning. They played five road games. In every single game, they've gotten down by double digits. They've been down 10, sometimes down 13, 14, whatever it is. But double digits in all five games, and they've come back to win every game. Who does that? You can't make this up if you wrote it in a book or in a movie script or something. Nobody would believe it, and yet the Aggies have done it. And so now they play Wyoming and New Mexico. Wyoming at home, on the road at New Mexico. Wyoming's 5-5, five and five, New Mexico's 3-7. and seven. If the Aggies win those two games, they go in the Mountain West Conference title game. I think that trip to San Jose was the hardest game left on the, on the schedule. And after falling behind 14-0, they outscored San Jose State 48-3. I watched San Diego State struggle with San Jose State and San Jose and finally win in overtime. That was an epic performance. Very impressive from the Aggies. Here's their quarterback, Logan Bonner, after the win. Logan, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? <clears throat> How you how you holding up, man? You're taking some nasty <laughs> shots out there. You feeling all right? I'm okay. We got the win. That's all that matters. <clears throat> you, you taking a, another couple of big hits, including the one that uh, sent you into the tent. And uh, what, what is it about you that says I got to step step back out on the field again and just keep going? I mean, I was raised. Oh, um, I was raised to to play until you can't go anymore. And that's just how I've always been. I mean, I've been playing this game since I was three years old, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, and I uh, I wouldn't want to be on any other team, and I feel like that I'm going to give it all I got until I can't. 
Down 14 nothing again, and I know everybody's going to ask you this, but you're down, and again, no no panic, no worries whatsoever. Mm-hmm. What was the message over on the sideline in terms of trying to make sure that you got things righted and, and, and uh, getting back on track offensively? It's weird to say this, but it really wasn't a message. Um, we just went out there and did our job. Um, we've been here before. Um, we don't like being that, uh, in that situation, but nobody panicked. Um, there's no special message to give to the team. We know what we have to do, and we know how explosive we can be. Um, I put us in a really bad posi- uh, position, and defense uh, played lights out tonight. Um, I can't fumble, and I can't throw that pick. So um, without that, I mean, what, what do they have, like under 30 yards rushing or something like that? It's, it was pretty, 12 yards pretty amazing. Rushing. Yeah, 12 yeah. yards rushing and 150 yards total tonight. So you're right, yeah, the defense well, played lights played. out. But I thought you guys – oh, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I was just saying that they play lights out and they gave us opportunities to get the ball back, and we, there was no special message. We just did our job and, and be explosive like we can be, and um, it turned out to be okay. Yeah, I thought uh, after that uh, first quarter, I thought your guys mm-hmm. up front did a terrific job of kind of dominating the line of scrimmage. They got some penetration early, but not as much as you wore that game along. Yeah, we knew coming in that was uh, going to be a great defensive front. Um, one of the best we've played all year, um, and they're they're violent and they're quick and they're twitchy, and uh, we knew it was going to be a huge challenge. Um, the guys played great tonight. They played unbelievable in certain situations where we had to had the pocket and stand in there and make big throws. So um, I think the guys played great, and all everybody played uh, lights out. <clears throat> Logan Bonner joining us here on the Aggie post game show, and. Uh, that offensive line, I think, uh, really played uh, really well, especially after the first quarter. And as you mm-hmm. mentioned, you heard all week long about how good that defensive line was. Uh, they were talking a lot out there, you could tell. And and uh, and, and I think they kind of took it personal after that first quarter. And, and to exert their will and to and to dominate the way they did, I mean, you got to take a lot from this. I mean, a lot of props to those guys up front for what they did tonight. Oh, absolutely. We took it personal. Um I mean, really, the whole team took this personal. Um, this uh, this coming in this game, we've been an underdog pretty much in every game we played. Um, we still get no respect, which is fine. Um, we live there. That's that's cool with us. We took, all took it personal, and we knew we had. To, if you want to have a shot at being a champion, you got to beat the champ. So we came in here, we took it personal, and it was a big statement win for us. Yeah, I think what happened is uh, after they tagged you late out there, they, the offensive line said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no more." And uh, we didn't talk about Cade Hall or Fajoko after that. Uh, talk about your confidence level in going to DT. We talked about it with Coach. And, you know, you had a third and two. And you, you probably could have checked it down to Carson Terrell in the flat. But you saw DT mm-hmm. break him wide open and, and laid it out there for him. What, what is it that gives you such confidence in that guy? Uh, he's unbelievable. We talk about him every week. Um, he makes plays. He's unbelievable ball skills. Um, some of the best ball skills I've ever seen when the ball's in the air. Um, and... I could have checked it down, but I saw I saw him running down the sidelines, and he put his hand up. So I said, "All right, let's go." And I have complete tr- a trust in all the guys, but definitely him. Um, so I let it fly, and he does all the, he does all the work, and he makes me look good. Hey, I got to ask you, and you got to be honest on this: Were you going to Derek mm-hmm. Wright when Brandon Bowling snagged it? Absolutely for the touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> we thought so. Yeah, no, I missed, I missed Brandon on a touchdown earlier in the game, and he said that was payback, which I was that was fine. I really don't care who catches it, but uh, he's like Derek's, yeah, no. Derek's already got two. Yeah, yeah, well, hey, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what he said. But no, nah, he they were they were pretty even, um, and so 
I honestly, I mean, I saw both of them, but I was trying to go to Derek. But, uh, but uh, no, Brandon made a great catch, and he he was making fun of me for it, but he did a good job. Well, there was another time, and, you know, sometimes you guys bark at officials a little bit. The most mad I saw you at the official tonight was when they blew the play dead after they on the offsides call and let, oh, yeah. instead of letting yeah. you get the free play. Oh, yeah, we had man coverage, uh, zero, zero bracket coverage. Uh, and they just let me play it. I'm throwing a touchdown to D. Wright down the sidelines. And the ref, he's refed a couple games this year. And he was look, he, I was yelling at him, and he started smiling. I was like, bro, c- come on, you got to let me have that one. But, uh, no, nah, it was good. <laughs> it was a good time. Well, hey, man, congratulations. Uh, get ready for a big one against Wyoming, and uh, keep it rolling, all right? Absolutely. There's Utah State quarterback Logan Bonner. Now, we'll take a break. When we come back, you'll hear from their head coach, Blake Anderson. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. A couple coaches got good wins this week in college football. Blake Anderson at Utah State on the road to San Jose State. And then Kyle Whittingham, an ugly win. But, man, in November, they're all good. He wins at Arizona. You're going to hear from both coaches in this segment. We are going to start first with the Aggies head coach, Blake Anderson. Down double digits. Again, they come back and win again. That makes them 5 for 5 on the road. Down by double digits five times, rallying to win all five times, and really putting it on San Jose State. Here's Blake Anderson after the game. They could just go ahead and just start the game at 14 nothing, and, uh, it and would, just start it. It would save some drama, wouldn't it? Right out of the gate, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about us, but... Have, you, just... you've, been, you've, been, you've been doing this for a minute. Have you ever seen a season like this before? Nope. Nope. I've never seen a team that could find a way to get down so quickly and but then, honestly, just never panic. Just keep playing. And I, I guess it was what forty-eight to three from that point on. That, yeah. That's about as about as uh, one-sided of a game as you can get. From I think we gave up one hundred and fifty yards of total offense for the night. So pretty. Yes, sir. Pretty dominating performance by the defense and the offense. Obviously, did what they needed to as well, getting the ball in the end zone. You think this was uh, perhaps from that second quarter on your most complete game? Yeah, I think so. And really, we were playing good there early. I mean, we, we obviously, Logan liked to have that pass back and then the the fumble short field. I mean, we, we knew they were really good up front and they were going to give us some issues and uh, on the edges, and, and that's where those, those came from. But uh, I would say from really from the opening tip to the end, we were ready to play. Um, plans were good in all three phases. And with the exception of just those two mistakes, really, we played we played lights out in, in, in all three areas all night long. So third and two, and uh, it looks like as Logan's rolling out, he's got Carson Terrell wide open. But instead, and, and this is the beauty of having DT, I guess, you can check down to a 52-yard pass play to <laughs> Devin Tompkins. And uh, that was really, I mean, after that, your offense never really slowed down the rest of the game. And and it's it's it. This is why I love the game of football so much. Just one or two individual plays can turn a game around just like that. Yeah, you know, he obviously had multiple options. We we were probably going to go forward on fourth down as it was anyway, uh, to be truthful. And and I think it just it gave him some freedom to to put that ball in the air right there. And and obviously, tons of tons of confidence in number thirteen. If the ball is anywhere close to him, he's going to find a way to come down with it as he did again tonight. You know, Coach, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to Quasi and, uh, you know, get an offensive lineman for the first time this year is uh, after that first quarter, we didn't call Cade Hall or Fajoko their name quite nearly as much 
seemed like those guys started to control the line of scrimmage as you got into the second quarter. Yeah, I, I felt like, you know, they, they're really, really hot out of the gate. But as we were able to extend some drives and, and get some first downs, clearly they fatigued a little bit. We, we thought that might be the case. And it was a big challenge on our O-line to, to be able to handle that front. We, we were honest with them all week. It's, it's going to be a huge dogfight. They're going to make their plays. Don't panic. We just, we just have to minimize the effectiveness of what they do up front. And as the game continued, that, that our conditioning would take over. And, and as it, it honestly did, as you watched, runs got better. We protected better, had more time. Everything just kind of worked together. We just, had to, we just had to find a way early to manage the game and, and not put ourselves in too big a hole. And luckily, 14 nothing wasn't, wasn't too uh, big of a hole for us. But he really got the sense, and you mentioned it in the pregame show, that, that you really felt like your team respected this opponent. They knew how difficult this was going to be. They were fired up. And you got it sounds like you had the sense all week that this team knew that this was – they needed to play a really special type of game to win this game, and, and man, they sure did it. Yeah. No, there tons of respect. I mean, you, you got to beat the champion to be the champion. And, and yeah. regardless of their record, they got a trophy right, you know, probably 10 feet away from here that – says they won it last year and until you till you go through them then you haven't earned it this was the first step of finishing this thing off but our kids clearly know what's what's at stake and you had to go on the road and beat a really really good team and, and i felt like everybody obviously expected this game to be a lot closer than it was our kids took that challenge came in as an underdog i think that frustrated them a little bit that that uh, even with what we've done to this point people still don't obviously uh truly believe that that we're capable of doing this and and they went out and i, I wanted to leave no doubt that, that we're here we're here because of a lot of hard work and a lot of guys that believe and um, so it was a huge step for us and a big 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 win for us hey coach uh, two weeks ago against hawaii do you remember what their rushing totals were i think it was carries like for 12 yards guess what it was yeah they had yeah some for some i like that 12 number i'm good i'm good yeah. if, if yep. that's all we give up is 12 same exact stat line 22 carries for 12 yards you've only given up 73 yards rushing in the last three games combined what what's happening up front on that front set perhaps your front seven needs to be talked about like colorado state boise (laughs) and these guys you know we look different than a lot of people i think we're using quickness and speed and really just effort and and kind of a blue collar physical mentality Uh, i think they felt underappreciated coming into the season really people nobody really said a whole lot about us hasn't really haven't really said a whole lot about us all year i think it's kind of galvanized the group and, and rallied them a little bit coach band and the staff have done a phenomenal job of putting guys in position to make plays thought we dialed up the scheme and the game plan to really attack what they do specifically and and just had a beat on them we, we just had a really good beat of what we were going to see and how they were going to try to attack us and our guys our guys executed better than they did but I think it starts with just the energy and, and effort that this group is willing to play with. We talked about a relentless pace of making them uncomfortable, moving the quarterback, stoning the run, you know, and, and that's exactly what they did all night long. Um, the uh, you, you played, and, and they were working in both quarterbacks in that first half, and those are two very, very different quarterbacks, and you adjusted nicely. I mean, shout out to Coach Bonda. You mentioned – you wanted uh, you wanted to see a bunch of different looks out there. You got it. Your guys were relentless, and uh, I thought that was a hell of a game plan by him. Yeah, no doubt. The whole staff, defense staff, and honestly, really offensive staff, great game plan on their side too, considering the front we were up against. 
But if, in terms of just what the defense did with the skill set that that offense has, the ability for Starkle to throw it, Nash can absolutely run. An NFL caliber tight end. I think they've got four or five seniors up on the offensive line yeah. to to be able to frustrate them and really set the tempo all night. Yeah, give our defense and the defensive staff an amazing amount of credit to be able to get that done because this they've moved the ball on everybody. They just didn't move it on us. Yeah. You know, I thought your quarterback showed a lot of toughness out there tonight because he took some big-time hits, including the one that uh, had the penalty that looked a little little late and a little high, and uh, then he comes right back in and, and, and just slings it like a dang old gunslinger again. Four more touchdowns tonight. Well, he is one tough dude from Dallas, Texas. I've been watching it since he was 17, and uh, what he's doing really – honestly doesn't surprise me it's what i expected it's why we we brought him here it's why i recruited him in the first place he just uh, continues to get better and better uh, he's not without mistake there's ones he wants back but toughness has never been in question our kids respect him um you just know that he's always going to find a way to get up off the turf he ran the ball when we absolutely needed to tonight moved the chains and honestly with the exception of the the interception that got away from him earlier played pretty flawless the rest of the night and and you know, did what we needed to do to to finish these guys off. So, you got Wyoming next week coming in, and uh, last home game, a, a senior day. Uh, obviously, a ton to play for. Uh, continuing down the stretch here, uh, what's the message to the guys as you exit the locker room tonight? You know, it was we we celebrated for about five minutes, and then we were done with. It. It's time to move forward, and 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 we'll celebrate when the job's done. You know, it's kind of Kobe Bryant mentality: job's not finished. Uh, we, we need to keep continue. We need to continue to control our destiny by playing better ball each week. Build off of that. Wyoming's going to look way different than what we just saw. Going to be a completely different animal. And uh, rest up, enjoy it, and and get back to work. We'll uh, we'll celebrate when the job's done. Coach, let's go hop on a plane and go home. All right. Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm ready to go home. Yeah, you and me <laughs> both, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, coach. Thanks, guys. There's Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. Now. 48-17, that's a great win. You can feel great about that. And San Jose State comes in at 5-5 five and five. now. They're 5-6. and six. They're going to have to beat Fresno, their rival, at home to be uh, bowl eligible. The Utes, meanwhile, go to Arizona, who's nowhere near being bowl eligible, who just ended a 20-game losing streak by beating a team that was missing half of its team, including the starting quarterback. And it eked out a 10-3 win over Cal. So I thought the Utes were going to win big. PK thought the Utes were going to win big. I think most of you thought the Utes were going to win big. Now, they won by nine, not by two. I know. See what I did there? But really, I didn't do it. The Utes did it. They were up two. They drove the length of the field. They won by nine. It was a great drive. It's, uh, you know, the offense needed to come through. There was, there, was, uh, there was some nervousness, man. There were some queasy, queasy legs, some people knocking. These people were worried. Those knees were knocking. They were scared. This couldn't be happening. They had a punt blocked again. It's a sign. There's some stat out there, and I'm sure Kyle will quote it later today, about how you have a punt blocked, you lose like 85 or 90% of the time. And they not only had a block, they had a block for a touchdown. They made it a two-point game. Now they stopped the two-point conversion, so that was obviously huge. But there were still 10 minutes left, and they took eight and a half minutes to go down the field and score a touchdown and ice the game. Great drive. Great drive. I thought the offense, especially without Tavian Thomas, I think the only argument is, do they get an A or an A+. plus? They didn't turn the ball over. They scored touchdowns in the red zone. They got five of them. They settled for one field goal. 38 points. That's got to be a winning number. Now, because the defense, I thought the defense wasn't as bad as everybody thought. They were terrible. 
terrible on the first two possessions. After that, they gave up three field goals in three quarters. I, I thought they were fine after that. Horrible first quarter. Horrible start to the game. But I thought they were fine after that. And one of the field goals was a 57-yarder. The block punt was obviously a huge play. So, here's Kyle Whittingham after the game, after he, as he says, wins ugly. Okay. First of all, a lot of credit to the University of Arizona. That's a hard-playing team. They got athletes. Uh, they had a nice scheme coming in. Particularly on offense, did a nice job with the Wildcat uh, package they had. And did a nice job taking care of the ball. We weren't able to generate any takeaways. Of course, we didn't have any of our own. So it was a clean game in that respect. But uh, that's what you call winning ugly. you got to do that once in a while. And uh, if you're a good team, you'll do that. You'll, you'll win the ugly ones. And so it was uh, good to see our guys hang in there, uh, finish the game when it needed to be finished. Um, defensively, thought we, started, thought we started out sluggish, too soft in the run game early on. Uh, stiffened up as the as the game wore on. Uh, had some timely sacks there in the in the second half. Uh, far too many penalties. We've been outstanding in penalty department this year. In fact, best in the league. And today, uh, 85 yards in penalties and, and a lot of key ones that negated some big plays on offense and that extended drives for them. Uh, so we got to clean that up. We got we got to be better. And, and we have been all season long up until. Uh, this afternoon. Uh, very proud of the way the running backs came in. We were minus uh, our big guy, Tavion, and uh, TJ Pledger, Makai Bernard, Chris Curry came in and did a fine job. Cam played well. Uh, had a few drops that we haven't had in several weeks, so that's got to get cleaned up. Uh, we've done uh, several weeks with uh, catching the ball much cleaner than what we did today. Um, defensively, uh, like I said, we're, we stiffened as the game went on. Uh, it was disappointing to get you know, third and 19, you let them off the hook and, and some other things that we really uh, weren't happy with. But the bottom line is we've got another win. Uh, we've got two games to go. Uh, the only thing we're thinking about is the next one, obviously, uh, Oregon coming to town. We're done with the road games, uh, at least in uh, regular season play. And uh, enjoy this until uh, tomorrow, then we'll get right back on the uh, onto the next opponent. So questions? Speaking to those penalties, I mean, what would you say about maybe some of those calls that you know, the... Yeah, I never complain about refs. I'm not going to start now. Um, like I said, we just got to clean things up. You know, I guess, I guess uh, each play that was called, I guess, could have been called. And uh, I'm not going to say that they missed the calls. We just got to be smarter. Um, and like I said, all season long, all season long, we've been very good in that department. But today, the wheels kind of came off with it. With, with, the, with Tavion out, I mean... Is that what, a snowbird you, hat? It is a snowbird There you go. <laughs> that gets my juices full. Yeah. You can think about that in a little bit. But, yeah. You don't, uh, you don't, PK. <laughs> is your fly open? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been feeling lousy the last few weeks. Anyway, go ahead. With the running backs, obviously with Tavion out, I mean, how did you how did you think overall, big picture, that your running backs did against maybe what Arizona did defensively with that run game? With their run defense? Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I think we did a pretty good job. I think TJ was over 100. Uh, yeah, he was 119 yards. He was the lead back tonight, uh, and that's uh, comes out to dang darn near five yards of carry. Makai added some yards. Uh, and Makai added some big yards in the throw game. You know, he's, he's an exceptional receiver out of the backfield. Uh, Cam didn't get his usual production, 
but uh, you know we came away with uh, 468 yards, and and that's a pretty balanced attack when it's uh, 294 and and 174. So I think our balance was pretty good. Spread the ball around. Uh, probably didn't you know if I had one thing when you go back and look at it, we probably need to incorporate the tight ends more. We've done that all year long tonight or today. We didn't quite get as many opportunities to the tight ends as we probably needed to, but. Uh, Overall, a good good job by the offense. Uh, we always try to get 60 uh, between first downs and points. If we can get that, we win about 99% of the time, and and uh, we had uh, we were over that number today. So, are the special teams problems that have been going on? Is that something that can get? Yeah, it, has to, it was a, it was a simple uh, protection error by one of our best players, and uh, it's not hard. Uh, but obviously, we as coaches got to do a better job coaching it because it's happened a couple times now, and and uh, more than a couple times. And so that's on us as coaches. Starts with me, and we got to make sure we get uh, what we need communicated to to the guys on the punt team because the ball was out in 196. You know, we we take the times and everything as they're happening throughout the course of the game, and 196 should not get blocked. Should not get blocked unless there's a protection error, which, which is what we had. It came through our left B gap. And it's a simple fix, but it was a huge play in the game. It was a huge play in the game. Didn't end up costing us the game, obviously, but could have. What about the way Cam played on that final drive? He seemed to be very in control of what was going yeah, on. Yeah, Cam is in control. He's a, he's a guy that, that uh, has a great deal of confidence. He is a student of the game. He's a football junkie. He watches film ad nauseum. He watches games on TV. You know, he's the kind of guy that you want playing quarterback, the, the guy that understands the game and gets it. Lost in all that, you tied Ike Armstrong's record for all-time winning. What, what, what do you have to say about that? Oh, nothing much other than I've been fortunate to have so many great players come through here because that's a, you know, that's that's a product of when I took over to right now, all the talent that's come through here, all the outstanding assistant coaches, and uh, so I'm just proud to be a part of it. But that's a that's a team goal in my opinion, not a team goal, but a team uh, statistic. I've heard a lot of coaches say that, you know, 10 to 12 years in the school is an eternity, and after a while, you're out, you're welcome, but you've obviously no lasted doubt. longer than that. How have you I've bucked that? the trend. I don't know. They say every year that goes by, 10% more of the people hate you uh, in your fan base, and so I'm, I don't think there's anyone left that likes me, possibly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. What was that? I used to. You used to. Okay. <laughs> I've been blessed. I, I have uh, nothing but uh, gratitude for my time at the U. And you know, what can I say? It's just been a you know a lot longer than I ever thought it would be. I can tell you that when I took over, I thought, yeah, three or four years, and you know, try something else. But uh, obviously, I was way off on that. How, how much though? Excuse me, Josh. How much of that tenure, though, being here all this time, do you think has contributed to the stability of the program? Because you look at a program like Arizona, they've had five coaches since you've been in the Pac-12. Well, I think continuity and and. Uh, a stable coaching environment as long as uh, you know the coaches are doing their job is a is a healthy thing and a positive thing and and uh, you can see it in the NFL at times too uh, you know Steelers stuck with Tomlinson through good and bad and he's, he's had you know when you look at his whole body of work and so I think that uh, you know it, it's important for a program if you can get that now sometimes you got to make a change but uh, if you have stability in the coaching staff and, and continuity I think that certainly helps your chances to win it, it helps you to uh, have a better chance to uh, to be successful. Kyle, I don't know if you've been briefed on anything, but is there some concern that there are some injuries coming out of this game? Nick? There could be. There could be. You know, we'll assess that tomorrow. Uh, as of right now, there's probably three or four guys that we don't know enough about, but that it could be something uh, 
serious, but we'll find out tomorrow. Kyle, yeah. uh, Junior Tafuna and Cole Bishop led the defense in tackles. What does that say about the depth of this defense? Yeah, two freshmen, two true freshmen. And uh, we've got uh, so many of those guys, those guys I've said a lot of, during the course of the season quite a few times, how many freshmen are contributing on defense. I mean, it's uh, it's never now, obviously, the COVID stall or, or reset, whatever you want to call it, uh, contributed to that. But, but never in my time here have we had anywhere near the number of freshmen freshmen uh, making major contributions like they're doing now. And that, I think the future of the defense is very good. I mean, they, they got a lot of good young players. All right, there's Utah football coach Kyle Winningham. When we come back to Jazz, they get beat again. They've lost four of their last five. It was a bad week. They got to turn this around. They've dropped from first in the West to sixth. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings before Thanksgiving. Sue me. It's what I do. So I got where I am. I can't help me. All right, Jazz, coming up next. Stay with us. Good morning. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz lose again. The Miami Heat beat them twice in one week. That's supposed to be hard to do. But when Miami was up by 20, 24, 26, it didn't look hard. Now, the Jazz did get it down to four, but they never had the ball with a chance to tie the game. They never got any closer than four. So, yeah, they rallied, but yeah, I have a hard time getting worked up about that. they got to play better. And as you are about to hear, a couple of players are finally acknowledging that. And we're going to start with Donovan Mitchell, who used the word embarrassing. If I'm a Jazz fan, I want him to use the word embarrassing. They've lost four out of five, two of them at home. It shouldn't have happened. I think they're talented. I think they're way better than this. But you are what your record says you are. And the record says you're one and four in the last five. You started seven and one, but now you're you're struggling. You're eight and five. You're only a half game in front of the Lakers, and we've been laughing at the Lakers. Here's Donovan Mitchell after the game. We're not rebounding. We're not, you know, we're not guarding as well as we can for a full 48 minutes. Um, can't say we've yet to put full 48 minutes of solid def- defense, you know. And, you know, obviously with us missing shots, we're going to have to uh, turn our defense up even more. And um, we just haven't. And that that's – that's been an issue. We got to, especially at home, like we got to, we got to protect home court. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll figure it out. Right. It's like, where the hell was that? <laughs> you know, and that was on all of us. Where was, I missed the blockout, two blockouts in the first half. There's certain possessions on offense you miss. And it's like, where was that? You know, we can't be a team that gets down to, to lock in. We can't do that, you know. And I think we've we've gotten to that point, you know, a few times. And, you know, we got to we gotta come out ready, you know, especially in a team like this. You know, they, they compete. They threw different looks at us offensively. They threw a bunch of different things. And credit to them. But, you know, we got to, from the jump, be ready to lock in. We got to be ready to, to do what we do. And I can't say we have done that, you know. And, you know, I think that's it's a reflection of us was it, losing three out of five, four out of five, something like that. So um, we got two days. We'll be better. Um, we'll look at the film from the past two games and, and address it. Um, it's just defense. You know, offense is what it is, you know. We'll take care of it. We'll make shots. And you see what happens when we make shots and guard. You know what I mean? We come back from 19-point deficit twice against the Heat, you know, who's a great defensive team. And, you know, so – We'll fix it. Is it that you guys have not put together a full game? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go concerning. Yeah, I wouldn't say we're out here like panicking or anything like that. I think it's upsetting. I think that'll be the word I'd use. It's upsetting because we we know each other. 
we know what we're doing and it's just time for us to go out there and do it. There's no really ain't got much else to say for y'all for that. It's just, we got to go out there and do it and take it upon ourselves. When we went ahead and did it, you know, we came back from 19 in Miami. We came back from 19 and night, you know, we kind of came back against Indiana. We just got to go out there and do it. And at some point, you know, it's going to get bad. It gets bad enough where you, you, it's embarrassing, you know, and I think that 30 point loss, we, we, we showed fight, you know I mean? We showed character, we showed who we are and that's never going to doubt that, you know, but being down almost 30, it's like, all right, like, you know, it's time. And I think we, we got to that point and like I said, we'll be better, but thankfully we're 13 games in. This isn't January, February or March. We're having this problem. So let's do it. Why do you think it has been struggle to lock in early games? Um, <clears throat> I think it's a lot of different things. You know, I, I, it's easy to to point out the defensive mishaps, but like it's, 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 you know, when you're not making shots, we always talk about this. When you're not making shots. It, it definitely, we can't let it affect our defense, but when you're not making shots at the, you know, and that it, it's, we're still what the number one offense in the league, but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel good. You know, and I think we got to understand that we have to still win games when it doesn't feel good, you know, and I think we haven't been able to do that consistently. We've done it. You know, Milwaukee was Milwaukee was one Atlanta was when we had a terrible first half shooting and then come out, you know, score 77 in the second half. So we've done it. It's just a matter of being able to do it, you know, on a nightly basis. And like I said, we, we went out here tonight. We didn't shoot well and come back from a 19-point lead. Just continuing to 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 just fight and compete and understand that, you know, the shots will fall, the offense will fall. We'll figure that stuff out, but we got to continue to compete on defense every night, you know, and um, yeah. Mike was talking about, we asked him about having like 13 combined shots for the last two games, and he mentioned that he's trying to be a little bit more of a facilitator because the ball defense is taking a little bit. Where do you guys kind of find that balance between, you know, ball movement, getting Mike a little more involved, things like that? Um, he is one of the most unselfish people I've, I've met. You know, he's, he's, he's everything you've heard and I've heard nothing but good things about Mike Conley. So he's trying his best to make sure we're all kind of, and it's like, like I said, when you're not making shots, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, trying to figure things out. Like I, I feel like if shots, certain shots fall, we necessarily don't feel a certain way. Uh, but he's taking that upon himself. And, you know, I respect that about him, you know, to go out there and do you see tonight with the eight assist. Um, but you know, at the same token, I tell him, like, you, you shoot, you know, and shoot the ball. And it's not a problem. You know, it's not one thing where it's like, my, I'm like, man, Mike's not shooting. What are we going to do? You know what I mean? I, he's he's trying to, you know, like do something that, that helps the team. He's trying to be – he's trying to help us being unselfish. And, you know, um, you know we, we, we all got to do a better job. You know, we can't rely on just – Mike to go ahead and, and do it, you know, because that's a lot of pressure on him. And then he has to go out and guard these guys and every night. And, you know, so we got to make it easier on him as a whole, you know, myself, Joe, JC, giving them options, being able to get set up shots and, you know, but like I said, I got major respect for Mike because, you know, he's, he's just so unselfish, you know, and I, I, I love that about him. We all do. And he's able to find a ways in 27 minutes, he has eight assists, you know, like that's, that's impressive. And I'm going to find ways to continue to integrate it. Like I said, we got two days, you know, we'll go back and, you know, look things, look at ourselves in the mirror and be like, all right, let's come back. We're ready for uh, Philly. How tough does it make it for the defense when playing against a team like Miami? They run, you know, three, four, five, six actions in the half court and you're defending that late into the shot clock. Um, that, it, it's tough, you know, and especially, you know, when you got Jimmy out, you know, you, you, you know, Kyle, you know, Tyler, but you never know 
who's coming. They got so many lethal weapons out there. And, you know, they ran one play where they had three guys on the elbow and they just ran split action. And you have Bam who could pass, pass his ass off, you know, at the, at the elbow. Um, it's all about communication, being able to defend. But like I said, no matter how, no matter how locked in you are, after a while, you guard and guard and guard and get up a shot late clock or on top of that, not rebounding. You know, I think that that's what hurts even more. Like, you know, we'll, we'll continue to guard, we'll continue to fight. But when you give up an offensive rebound out of that, now it's like, damn, you know, and it's deflating. And then when you miss a shot, then it's like, damn, you know what I mean? So it's a compounded thing. So, um, you know, being able to guard a team like that late all the way into the late clock is, is one thing, being able to play 24 seconds of good defense, but we got to come up with the rebound. We got to get these hits. We got to go ahead and get these hits because then we can run and we can beat them down the floor because they're doing so many things in the paint. They're doing so many different things. So um, it's going to make it easier on ourselves on the glass. And that'll take care of a lot of those long lessons that we're guarding. All right. I thought Donovan Mitchell was good. He said some good things there, but I thought Mike Conley was really succinct into the point. They've got to get the right mindset. They've got to do it quickly. They don't have it. Here's Mike Conley. They're a tough matchup in a lot of ways. I think uh, when you can give a, give a ball to a guy like Bam who can um, play make from an elbow or from a post, um, similar to Golden State, the way they play through Draymond sometimes, yeah, you can guard for 20, 21, 22 seconds of a, a shot clock and, and just miscommunication or um, – Relax for a second, and uh, they're they're good cutters. They're, they're you know they cut with force and good passers, and you know they get attempts at the rim, and and that can be a little little bit deflating when you you know when you're trying to play and take away so many different options, and and they find a way to score. You guys have also been known for a lot of actions. Um, what's been kind of preventing you from getting to that level this season? Well, I think it's obvious. A lot of teams are switching a lot of our actions. Um, they're trying to switch one through five just to keep the ball in the perimeter. Uh, so it's forcing us to have to try to break it down um, with our guards, try to get to the paint um, that way, as opposed to, you know, our actions and the way that we normally can scheme certain things. But, um, you know, we, we're learning through it. We're trying to adjust through it. But, you know, it's, it's good. It's happening early. It gives us a whole season to, to work on it. But, you know, we're going to see more and more of it. And uh, we gotta get better at it. That big shots against Pacers seven times, right? I'm curious, you know, what uh, what are teams taking away from you and Um, you know, really is I'm trying to get the ball moving a lot, you know, a lot of the time. Um I know our team can get a little stagnant uh from that switching. So I feel like anytime I get in the paint, I can make a play and uh I'll make the right read. Uh, most of the time. And if it's for me to shoot, I'll shoot. If it's not, I'm going to get a guy open. And that's just what's been happening the last, you know, couple of nights. So um, there'll be other nights where I, I get looks and, and I'll be able to make, you know, make them pay on that end. But right now they're, they're trying to take away the three and, um, you know, allow me to play in the paint a little bit more and, and just trying to find guys and, um, and keep that ball moving. The level of attention and urgency have been a little too, depending on what the score is at the time. How do you guys go about kind of fixing that? Yeah, um, it's a mindset that we have to we have to find. Right now, we haven't had it um, last week or so, where the sense of urgency is there from the beginning. Not when we're down twenty. Not when things are um, not looking good. So, uh, if it's you know, a game like this doesn't wake us up, you know, any more than, you know, the other nights where we've lost in Indiana or Orlando, then, then I don't know what will, you know. So um, I know that we're going to we're gonna get back to work. We're going to lock, lock back in and, and, you know, do our best to, 
to, you know, put forth the effort that we, we should be putting forth and, and not, not taking these games for granted. Two games in a row where opponents have particularly hurt you guys early by their offensive rebounding. What can you guys do differently there? Um, offensive rebounding, I mean, that comes down to you got to want to do it. You got to want to, to, you know, find a guy and box him out. You know, we've all been guilty of, of leaving a man and, and watching the ball in flight, you know, not look, searching out a guy to go box him out. And, and that's just a mindset that we have to, to continue to, to, you know, to push forward. You know, each individual guy has to take accountability and knowing that I got to hit somebody before, you know, this ball hits the rim. And um, we can't rely on Rudy. They're sending two guys on him and they're crashing from all different sides of the court. So um, it's something that we definitely have to work on. All right, there is Mike Conley. Here's the head coach, Quinn Snyder. Loose balls, you know, rebounds, offensive rebounds. I think they had nine offensive rebounds. They zoned for a couple minutes. You know, I thought we didn't react to that for a couple possessions, but then we got, you know, we got what we wanted out of the zone. We just I think we missed some some clean looks, but really, you know, the the as much as anything, the, the third quarter, uh, you know, they there was multiple actions and you know, we have to be able to defend through, you know, a longer possession with those multiple actions. And that requires, you know, more concentration, more communication and more determination. And those are the things that, that you know, we have to have to, to, to play the defense on the level that, that we need to. And, we, you know, we obviously got that late. And, getting those stops again, you know, it's reflected in the score offensively too, because we're able to play in, in space. So the follow-up to that, where do you feel like the defense is kind of fast overall right now? Just because there's been kind of a constant time. Yeah, it hasn't, you know, we haven't been inconsistent as much as anything. You know, it's, you have, we've had quarters where, you know, we've, we've been really good and, I mean, we had quarters where we've been really bad and, you know, we need to just take our level up and our consistency of focus, you know, on that end where, you know, it's defense is five guys and, um, you know, if any one guy's got a breakdown or, you know, gets beat back door or doesn't play a screen a certain way, goes over or under instead of over, or, you know, there's all kinds of things throughout the possession and, you know, Miami, you know, they gave you plenty of opportunities to have those breakdowns because of the, the force that they played with in half court with a lot of their handoffs. Um, if you're not up high enough, Duncan Robinson gets a shot off and, you know, he makes it. Um, so I think just making, making things as far as the, the general state of our defense, you know, we need to get better is, is what it comes down to. So. Close starts to each of the first three quarters. Just make you have to play from behind. Well, I think the the way we started slow with some of the mistakes offensively, some of the turnovers, and you know we're making the same consistently making the same mistakes, and you know a lot of it at times, you know involves you know making a simple play, and um, you know when that you know when that happens, it's very difficult to defend off turnovers. I've said that, and I think. You know, those plays are, you know, those plays hurt and it's harder to, to raise your level again uh, after you're taking the ball out of the net and someone's laying it in. So we, we have to be tougher mentally on that in those situations to, you know, be more precise with what we're doing offensively. We were just, you know, we were 
step late or a little bit you know, lazy with the pass and um, against a team that, you know, is really active. Well, we, we have to have a greater awareness of what my job is, whether it's someone's you're in rotation and you have to crack down on PJ Tucker. Or, um, we have, we have to be not only more forceful, but we have to be the aggressor in many situations essentially, and, you know, build more of a perimeter instead of being in a situation, but, where the balls, you know, the um, fifty-fifty ball, you know that that we've done that before. That can be done, you know, just building that perimeter and you know a few of those balls. It's, it's okay to have the ball bounce a couple times and then and then pick it up because you've blocked out. Um, you know, and that just has to be something that that we're more committed to because it hurts us. I mean, I, I think that, you know, this is something, you know, as far as knowing yourself as a team, you know, to not have to have external, you know, being down to have the score dictate your, your urgency. And, you know, even when we've had games this year where, you know, there's 17 point lead suddenly is an 11 point lead going into halftime and, and a team hits a couple buckets and you have a single digit game where, you know, up 17 needs to turn into up 20 going into half. And um, so our focus tends to, to wane um, depending on the score and that, that concentration and commitment to the things that we did to get ahead, you know, has to be sustained. I just don't think we've had sustained concentration, um, which, uh, against against teams in this league that you, you have those types of breakdowns on a given possession it, it, you know a lead that you work hard to build you know if it doesn't go away um, certainly gets reduced and then it you know gives the other team confidence and energy and emotion and um, and then it's that much harder to you know to build it back well, enough for you. well it, it, tonight you know we part of it is you know if we're throwing the ball ahead and we got an open shot, that's how we came back um, to the extent that, you know, people are really packing the paint at various times. You know, if we've got Don and getting to the rim, that's good offense. Um, you know, when people are, are switching pick and roll, it builds a perimeter and, um, you know, we have to move it and move it again. Um, but that requires like us to make quick decisions. And I think that's as much as anything, whether it's a quick decision to shoot or to drive it or to move it, um, you know, our, our reads have to come before we get the ball. And when we start doing a better job of that, I think the ball will move more. Um, you know, there's sometimes when we don't shoot it and look to move it and, you know, we're moving it for a lesser shot. So I, th I think there's a number of things to contribute to that. There's Quinn Snyder after the Jazz lose again to Miami. They have Philadelphia coming in Tuesday, and they have got to turn this around. We're going to take a break. More on the way in the 7 o'clock hour. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, here for his weekly visit. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers, along with a free Apple iPad, to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Samson, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? 
Doing well. Curious if you got the uh, beauty sleep. You want to sleep all the way through the bye week. You're like, well, you're well rested. You're ready to go now. You're back at 100%. All systems I'm go. I'm ready to go. We can start over the season right now. I'm ready to hit 12 games again. <laughs> For you, man. I'd like to hear that. I understand practice was canceled Thursday. Was that a surprise? <laughs> it was, honestly. Coach uh, came in after Wednesday's practice and told us, hey, you guys got to stop complaining. This is what we do. We work hard. We grind. We grind through the season. We work harder than everyone. And everyone was about it. We were ready to go to uh, get get back after practice again Thursday. Uh, we come in for a squat squat day uh, early, and then we watched a little bit of film, and then we go to team meeting. Coach surprised us all and told us we're going to the movies. <laughs> it was so fun. All right, obvious question. What'd you see? Uh, the Eternals, Marvel, baby. That's where Avengers is sadly over. That's my those were my movies right there. But uh, the Eternals, it was a it was an all right movie. Um, a little bit confusing, but a lot of action. It was good. Oh yeah, that's the best. I don't even care if uh, if I follow the storyline as long as there's enough action. <laughs> if there's enough action, I'm good to go. Is that the way you view it? Exactly. Exactly. You love those John Wick movies? All three of them are amazing. <laughs> so much yeah. action. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the one that got me was Doctor Strange. I went because my kid wanted to go, and I'm like, all right, yeah, go ahead. I'll play along, right? And then it got me. And I know a lot of action, but a bazillion special effects when they were, I don't even know, when they were running on the globe or whatever. I don't know. I can't even describe it, but it was I, awesome. Yeah, I think by far that's the best Marvel movie. It's just uh Everything about the movie, the action's good, and then just the visuals on it. And yeah. the, it's a trippy movie, honestly. <laughs> it is, it is, but it's really good, and I had no idea when I went. I really liked it. I know. I was, I, I'm glad for the second one coming. I'm excited. Kalani has a deep connection to BYU, obviously, having played there, grown up at least a part of his life in the community and back in the community now. But he's winning, and he's winning at an incredible rate. And there's a bunch of jobs in the Pac-12 that have been coming open. Uh, do you have any concern that he would be interested, uh, at least from, certainly from a financial standpoint, that maybe he might uh, think about leaving? No, there's no way. Uh, maybe if there's a financial standpoint, he, he, he I could possibly see him taking it for his family. And um, I don't think anyone on that team would be hurt because we are one big family. And if you're – making moves to help your family, I think everyone would totally understand. But um, with Coach Kalani and um, this program, um, me and Puka came down here because we felt something very different. And um, Coach Kalani has been showing it all year and uh, the past year or two before that, and, uh, since he's gotten here, that he's just here to bring something very different. And um, I don't think he's leaving them. This program loves him so much, and uh, I think he loves this program a lot, and we're just very thankful for him. So for a lot of longtime BYU fans, it's the logo, it's the it's the letters, and they just think as long as somebody doesn't mess it up, BYU is going to be pretty good. Yeah. But I look at it, and I think PK looks at it differently too. People matter, and when you get the right person, the right job, that's when the good times roll. And that doesn't matter what sport, that doesn't matter pro, college, high school. That's just how sports works. How much do you think BYU is in this great place? Because it's BYU, and they got some built-in advantages, and they should be in this place. And how much do you think Kalani Special, he's got something going, and if somebody does throw a gazillion dollars at him and he goes out that door, all bets are off? Yeah, um, definitely. Kalani just brings something so – the energy and just his uh, 
personality just being something more different than any other coach I feel like um, it's almost like he's my teammate he's my brother and uh, we're just talking about what what needs to be get uh, what needs to get done when it's practice and when we're talking about film or anything and I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a coach, and um, to have that guy next to you, um, cheering with you, dancing with you while you're making plays. To uh, I don't know. It just it's something you don't get a whole lot around the country, and um, and in any other sport, you don't find a coach just fits you perfect, and that brings energy to the crowd and to the team. And uh, when you get that mix, the good times just stay rolling, and everyone wants to have a good time and. Uh, it just feels better winning and also you're trying to keep those things going and uh, Clyde just does a good job presenting um, the church and himself in the best of ways possible just always smiling and just having a good time and making sure everyone it's interesting that you say that the way you describe that uh, how much of that do you think is because now you have perspective of what works for you as a senior oh, sorry. I suppose I say it's interesting that you, you feel this way how much is it is because you're a senior and you have more maturity than you had when you was a, when you were a freshman? Oh, definitely. Um, as a senior, um, I've just seen a lot more. I've been through a lot more. I mean, that's just with life, too. As we grow up, we just get a little bit wiser just because we've made a little bit more mistakes and we've gone through a little bit more situations. Um, but comparing from my freshman to senior year, like, um, I don't know. It's just a big energy and. uh just uh, it, the biggest thing is that you'd never consider any of these coaches your coaches. Um, I consider these guys my friends, um, my brothers. Um, I can go in a battle with them and um, know that they got my back and uh, they know that I got their back. And um, yeah, just being from my freshman senior, I don't know. Just you just feel a big energy shift, and uh, it's just crazy. Now, how much of this is because you're getting older and wiser, and how much of this is well, you got a couple college football games left, a third with a bowl game, and 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 you're getting a little sappy, you're getting a little, a little teary, maybe a little soft. I am. I'm getting sad. Um, I was very heartbroken. It was already my last uh, game in the uh, uh, Stadium. It was pretty hard already, and it was, I've only been here a year. Um, <laughs> Just being here with the crowd and the interaction with the fans has just been unbelievable. As a fan base like no other, really. Um, you have, if you, anyone showed up to the Baylor game, it was a home game for us. I mean, we didn't play our best game, but we showed up to that stadium and it was a home game for us. And uh, staying after, talk with the fans, to show, see their support and love was just unbelievable. And um, it's been a crazy ride. Uh, the the years went by a lot faster, and our coaches talk about like these are the best times of the best times of your life, and uh, you're never going to get them back. And um, man, I didn't. I feel like sometimes I took that for granted. Like these times are the best. Um, these times with my friends, I'm with these coaches too. It just I'm going to hit real. I'm going to hit the real world pretty soon, and it's not going to be fun. But I'm ready for it, and I'm I'm just saying for BYU. How much do you think that can work for recruiting as far as the Cougars? Because you've talked about it a couple of times now when you've been on the road. It's still it's almost like a home game with all the BYU fan support. So I'm wondering how much of an advantage is that as far as getting players when they look up in the crowd and see a bunch of blue there? Oh, man, it's it's something that you definitely need um, as you step into other crowds. Uh, you ever, if you ever step into the bicycle team up there, like, if, and you don't have, a, <laughs> you don't have any fan base with you, um, it's hard to when you uh, 
when you face um, some adversity out uh, of uh, battle back when you have a big crowd chanting against you. But with BYU, you really step in and we go to Wazoo. Every home game we've been to, I mean, every away game, it's been a home game. So um, it's been really good because we need that energy because uh, not everyone is uh, always awake for the game sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it takes a little bit to uh, wake someone up. And uh, I think the crowd, uh, with BYU crowd, they do a great job. They travel. They travel heavy and uh, they they cheer heavy too. <laughs> All right, quiz time. Georgia Southern. What's their nickname? Do you know? Georgia Southern. I didn't even know they had a nickname. Do they got one? <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, the Eagles. They be ready. Ready for Georgia Southern. <laughs> So I ask that because I wonder if you really will be ready and dialed in. This is a school, you know, moving its way up through the levels of college football. Not, yeah. not really no tradition at this level. Even if you're a hardcore college football fan and you watch college football when you were in junior high all day long, you still haven't seen these guys very often. Is there any chance of a letdown? Um, no. Um, I think we got to definitely take this game like any other game. Um, they're an East Coast team and SEC, I mean, any team on that side is honestly, you know, sometimes I think they're a different level, and um, it'll be fun to go step over to that side of the U.S. and uh, show them that we can still ball with anyone, <laughs> even though it might be a little lower division school, um, the players and athletes, I mean, anyone we get, they can literally play from uh, Weber State, anyone can ball anywhere, it don't matter what school you go to, so um, I think we just got to come out and do the everything we've been doing. We came out and <laughs> put a spanking on Idaho State, so uh, I expected uh, you to come out and do the same thing as Georgia Southern, but just being on top of our P's and Q's. Plus, you're a ranked team, so you know you're going to get their best shot. Oh, easily. I, I think everyone, this whole season, there's not been one team that had to give us their best shot, and um, I feel like they've always roasted the challenge. Um, the, there's two games we uh, didn't play to the best of our abilities, but I mean, we stepped up and we're here now, 8-2. and two. You know, you say you didn't play to your best of abilities against Boise State, and I can absolutely buy that. But when you say you didn't play to best abilities against Baylor, I just wonder how much it had to do with Baylor. And I wonder if you feel differently about that loss after watching what Baylor did to previously undefeated Oklahoma. Nah, I think we still could have got Baylor. Um, there were just a lot of mental errors that we had. Um, I don't think everyone was awake. Like I said earlier, there was a... There's a little bit of lower energy on the team, but um, shoot, if we run it back ten out of ten times, I think we're winning nine out of those ten. Um, we're, I think, we're still a better team. Uh, shoot, we had one receiver go crazy that whole game. <laughs> I think we all could have aerated them a little bit more and uh, you know put a little spanking on Baylor. But yeah, we are where we're at now. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's probably what I would think too if I were in your shoes. Uh, how much do you still follow Utah? They got a huge game, and you invested a lot of time in that program. They got Oregon this week. Oh yeah, you know I'm gonna be watching that game. I'm right after our games, and I have time. I'm I'm there watching, or before our games, I'm there watching Utah. You say those are my guys over there, and they've been kicking. But sounds like they're about to be Pac-12 champs over this year. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm curious with uh, a couple games left, and I kind of alluded to this late, but does it feel like the end is almost here? Are you able, because it's still practice every day and you've still got a game and you've got the game at USC after this one, are you kind of putting off the real world stuff? Or is it really creeping into your thoughts? 
No, it's definitely – it's a little bit of both. Uh, the practices are still here, so I'm not really too focused on the, the end coming up, but I can still uh, definitely feel it. And um, I, I don't know, Puka tends to remind me a lot. He's like, dude, this is it, man. He said, there's no coming back for you, man. He said, just make it happen every day. Every day, deposit money to the bank. Make plays every day. And um, so I try to forget a little bit and just living in the moment. But Puka's the one that keeps reminding me that this is it for me. <laughs> so he's the one that's putting me in my field. <laughs> well, Samson, we appreciate it. As always, the trip to Georgia Southern is a long one. And when you get there, you're right, other side of the country, and there are a lot of athletes and you never know, so we'll we'll be checking it out. We'll see how it goes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, join us weekly here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. we got Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman, coming up at 8.30, and Blake Anderson, Utah State head coach, coming up at 9.30, a Monday full of football. And PK, you do have yeah. to respect everybody, but BYU is favored by 20 against the Georgia Southern team that is 3-7. and C, three and seven. So if BYU turns in even a B-plus performance, they ought to win this. And I know that's what we were saying last week about the Utes going to Arizona. So, <laughs> Yeah, easy, Dorothy. This ain't Kansas. <laughs> nice. That, all right, that was well done. Very good. Thank you. Saw what happened. Yep. Kansas. Kansas got Texas. Two-point conversion. Got it done in overtime. So. That two-point conversion, it wasn't the best play I've ever seen, but it might have been the best reaction by that walk-on fullback. Casey was his name. First time being in the game on offense all season. It catches the ball. It took a while. Then he gets up, and he starts running. Uh-huh. And then they go to, I don't know, chest bump somebody? It was, and he lands on his back. It looked and, like he got knocked out. And, and <laughs> he, he was... Uh, moving at as he was running down the field, he was moving at the pace of what a, a turtle. Wasn't... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he, he he jumped to do that either shoulder bump or chest bump or whatever. Yeah. And he got hit a little early. He went down hard. <laughs> like yeah. you can get up, kid, but that's got to be a standing eight. We got to make sure you're okay. Plus, his jump was not timed well. It was. <laughs> it was like it was off the wrong hey, foot. They haven't had a lot of time to celebrate. If they don't celebrate, it's like Arizona not having a game ball in the locker room. You got to understand. It's, it's been a bad stretch here. They're not used to this. I mean, every sports fan not affiliated with the University of Texas looked at that and said, "This is the point. This is why I do what I do and why I pay attention to this." Because this was just flat out awesome, and to have that kid. And then I find out later he's a walk-on and he had never been in the game before run offense. And, yeah, so you can't really say for sure. Sure, I expect the Cougars to go in there and win. But, you know, they are nationally ranked. Where they have 14 now? And things happen. Uh, it would be a shocker, certainly, but things happen. They do, and things happen to Texas. And I, I saw, I saw some stuff about that PK. Like in the last decade, Texas has four win. Well, they have six conference wins. They are two and three against uh, Texas in the last five years, and then against everybody else, it's uh, well. I guess it's one, and I'd have to add it up. Thirty-eight or something like that. Thirty-six. That happened again, Texas. It has to stop happening. Well, I would suspect that the SEC is regrouping and going to extend an invitation to BYU and kick Texas out. To the <laughs> SEC. 
three and thirty-seven in the last five years, and that's two and three against Texas, which means one and thirty-four against everybody else. Not good, Texas. Come on now, and it's like Oklahoma broke Texas with that comeback. That's five straight losses now, and they haven't lost five um, straight in forever. Okay. Right, but was it the what was the fluke? The losing streak or the winning earlier? Ah, good question. You know, the the first four games. What what do they what do they? I mean, teams get better, and you hit better teams in your schedule. So those two things coming together. Yeah, it's just it, it's amazing. Well, what can happen? You got to give Arizona credit for being competitive. Now, I don't care that the the Utes to an extent allowed them to be competitive because in the final analysis, it doesn't matter. Utah won the game. That's what they. The point of the trip to the desert was to win the game. They did, but you got to give Arizona credit for competing. And so I don't know jack about Georgia Southern. Uh, nope. And I know they're uh, three and seven. We're pretty yeah. much exhausting my knowledge. We'll have all week to read up on them and talk to people that Yakel set us up with a few guests, and we'll see what we can learn. They but run the option. You're three and seven in the Sun Belt, and we're not watching a lot of Sun Belt football. No, no. Uh, which maybe even concerns me slightly more because there's far more ignorance. Than say like Utah and Arizona. I'm intimately familiar with Arizona. Uh, seen them play live and seen them play several times on television. So I was obviously extremely confident. I, I'm, I'm very confident that BYU is going to win that game. But it's not from a standpoint of knowledge. It's a standpoint of, of just well, the other guy isn't very good, and I've seen BYU play uh, all season, obviously, and so expecting them to do what they do, uh, and. It doesn't seem to me that they're going to have any overlookage, which is not a word, but that I like to make words up, um, especially this late in the year. It's very rare you have a bye this late in the year, uh, but it should allow you to have some focus for the last three games, obviously, including the blow, uh, bowl game. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So we got basketball season overlapping with college football season. We have two questions of the day for your consideration, and we will get to them coming up. One about the college football, one about the jazz. We'll do the football next. DJ and PK, stay with us. This is 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it forward for the Utah Jazz, Eric Pascal. What's running through your mind as you stand up and you go to step on the court for the first start of those minutes that you're going to be taking in tonight? I'll just bring energy. Literally, that's all I think of. Like, you play the game the right way and everything will fall in place. I mean, that's something that I've learned. You like the game coming to you and you always uh, one thing you can control, you can't control if the shot goes in all the time, but you can control the energy that you bring every day. So, that's one thing I try to do. And my dad always used to tell me, like, defense and energy travels. Shot always may not fall, but if you play defense, play hard, you can always control that. So I always just have that mindset going into every game. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the day. We got one for the Jazz. We got one for college football. 
For football, the question is, Utah joining BYU in the rankings, 24th in the media poll, 25th in the coaches poll. BYU is sitting in that 14-15 range and has been uh, for a little while now. Utah joins BYU in the rankings, both in for good rest of this season. Done deal. Lock it up. We got two nationally ranked teams here. Yay or nay? Tyler gets right to the obvious. It depends on how the Oregon games go. If they're close, Utah will probably stay in. If they get rocked, they may drop. No, if they get rocked, they will drop. BYU will stay in. USU will have a chance to break in if they win out. Well, that's true. So I guess that brings us to the question, what's going to happen in the Oregon games, PK? If you're 24 and you take down a team that's ranked 4th or 5th, up you go. How far depends on how many teams lose in front of you. But you're going up at least five spots. And it, and it might be seven, eight. Well, we see that some weeks. Well, if Utah wins out, they will be ranked higher than BYU. Uh, and everything hinges upon Saturday, which is very, very interesting. This is the most interesting game that Utah has ever played this late in the season that, as far as Rose Bowl, has very little effect. It's 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 crazy. You're gonna have to get to the Rose Bowl, most likely, uh, barring an absolute Oregon collapse. Five quarterbacks get injured in one quarter or something ridiculous. Oregon's gonna win the North, and you're gonna have to beat them in three weeks, <laughs> and, and that's what it's gonna come down to. Uh, Oregon to get to the playoff has to win out. So the implications of the game this week are far more for Oregon than they are for Utah. Because if Utah beats Oregon, which is very capable of doing, and then loses in Las Vegas, they're not going to the Rose Bowl, and it's a bitter defeat. Whereas if they lose Saturday and beat Oregon in Las Vegas, they're going to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, and, and they'll go as uh, if they were to lose, but be split and win the second game. It goes a four-loss team but they'll have all sorts of momentum. So the only way they're going to get in uh, is if, well, not the, I guess it's not the only way, but the best way is just simply to beat Oregon and go into that thing with momentum. What you don't want is you lose both games and then you still go in because there's nobody else that the conference is interested in taking. And I don't know that anybody else is more attractive in that respect. Uh, so it's, it's a crazy situation. I don't think that I've, I can compare it to anything in recent memory or maybe even long-term memory uh, because there was no such thing for many, many years where you had to beat the team in the regular season and beat them in that one-game Rose Bowl playoff, essentially. This is a new phenomenon since 2011. So uh, I'm so interested in this game just to see the mindset. And maybe when the Utes line up, they none of it's probably going to matter. It's just what's going to matter is that play – and who wins the play, you know, and who wins the most plays usually wins the game if you want to boil it down. But it's really interesting to see how this game is going to go and how it affects or doesn't affect the Rose Bowl chances. If they lose, if the Utes lose twice to Oregon, I'm just not 100% convinced they're backing in. I, I would lean towards they're not. Now, it depends on what happens in other games. But the you odds know, UCLA wins out are pretty good. And I would think 8-4 and four UCLA would get picked over 8-5 and five 
Utah. And UCLA oh, may mess up a game. Why would they? Eight and four, they'd have a better record. And yes, they lost head to head, but it's what you brought up earlier this year. Ah, oh, they didn't have their starting quarterback. I mean, Utah with two losses in three games would be coming in with no mojo. That would be very disappointing. It sure would, unless they. But if both games went right down to the end, possibly, especially if there's a bad call controversy. How did they? They didn't overturn it because it wasn't conclusive, but it looked like it was right. I mean, we could build a bunch of maybes into this. And Utah's been the better program for, without question, without question, eight years now. Inarguable. Eight years? That was a pretty good three-year run for Mora, so I was going to go seven. Okay. Come on. You're splitting hairs. <laughs> you do. Come on. They've definitely been the better program. Yeah. And it's a while now. And college football has pretty short memories, so once you get over five years, who cares? Something to be said for that. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. Recruits don't care after five years, that's for sure. (laughs) No. Yeah, but that was when I was 12. That was a long time ago. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and for them, you know, 18 to 12, for the rest of us, six years is nothing. But when you're 12 and then you're 18, that's a massive difference. Yeah, Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, And also, too, now we're seeing coaches getting fired in the middle, or not in the middle, but the end of their second year. Oh, routinely. It doesn't even, it, it, it gets mentioned, but it, it gets buried paragraphs down. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's the second year. Yeah. So, uh, it, I guess the complexion of the game matters, and if it's tight, I still think that you should go. Now, if they get smoked in both games, maybe you got me, and the Bruins. Who do they have this week? They got at USC. That's right. And then home to Cal. Yeah. And they're 6-4 and after beating Colorado. And you would look that on paper they would be able to win both games, although this is a rivalry game. SC, at this point, uh, you know, obviously they're not having anything close to the SC season. No. And their program is going to change dramatically in the next few weeks. And I was told by somebody – uh, that's why I brought up the Kalani leaving thing because I was told by somebody, man, you just this next few weeks, it because and it makes sense when you think about it. Uh, it's oh, going to be crazy. It is. And it seems like it every year it gets crazier. I think that's uh, because every year it is getting crazier. I don't yeah. think that people, you know, when you say seems, I don't think people's observations are off base here. We are seeing coaches. You, you know, you're saying getting fired after their second year. They are getting fired. After 1.5 or you know 2.5 years, when when one of those years pandemic induced, well, it was crazy everywhere, but it was super short in this league. Now, if you go to Matt Wells and Big Twelve, it was a little bigger sample size, but it was still a super weird year. You know, Zoom team meetings and film sessions. I mean, it was it was a bizarro year. Even if you got to play eight or ten games, and the Pac-12 didn't. No, and there's no acknowledgement of oh man that was that that wasn't real. Let's let's let our guy get his feet under him and get it done here. There's none of that. It's like look at the numbers, gone. Yeah, that mindset may be gone forever. I mean, what a weird season. You get a coach fired after the second game. You get the coach fired uh, towards the end of his second year. Yep. So this season, how many jobs are coming open in the Pac-12? I mean, it really is going to be a whirlwind. Uh, well, what do we got, three right now? 
Washington was the third because we already had USC Week 2, and then we had the Washington cha- State change. Yeah. Washington makes the, the uh, announcement this weekend, so that's three. I know people are saying UCLA, and, and I guess if, if you know, they turn it over a bunch of times and look sloppy and have a bunch of penalties and lose to USC and Cal and finish 6-6, six and six, then UCLA can make a change. But they got it together at halftime against Colorado and rolled. I assume they're going to win these last two. They certainly ought to be favored to. I think they're the pick. We'll see if they do it. And they're not making a change at 8-4. and four. That would be completely insane. ASU, though. ASU could be a fourth job open. Expected to be. I don't uh, think Arizona and Colorado should be changing. They just made changes. You've got to give those guys time. So that kind of takes care of the South. Oregon State, the arrow is up there. So. Well, it's more at this point uh, if a coach. Yeah, I don't know that the arrow was up at Oregon State. Really? Compared to garbage, it's up. <laughs> right. But uh, that's they've they've had a disappointing season. Now, when you when you're sitting there early in the season, and you did what you did, and then you turn around and lose a couple of ball games like they did. Uh, they're better than they were. Jonathan Smith has got them better than they were, but I think they're viewing this as a disappointment. Well, I'll give you a disappointing finish to the season because certainly expectations were recalibrated with the way they played early. 100% on board with that. But it's still the most wins that they've had in eight or nine years, depending on how it plays out. Yeah, but... Well, so I don't think they're going to make a change. People don't look at it like that. They look at it, what are we capable of achieving... And is this guy capable of getting us there? Not where we came from. It's really funny. On uh, Saturday, I'm driving back into to Phoenix from Tucson, right? And I'm going to hook up with family. So I'm getting an opportunity to uh, watch the Sun Devil game until literally the last two minutes, mm-hmm. right? And they have a nice comeback. And they score a touchdown. And then they, uh, Robertson gets a pick. And they win the game, right? And then I go... Uh, eat with family, and then 90 minutes later, I'm back in the car, and I turn on the post-game show. They take calls mm-hmm. afterward, like most, you know, obviously everybody does yeah. that, and I only hear three calls before I got to get out of the car. All three calls, all three are cracking on Herm Edwards and Ray Anderson, the athletic director, hard, and I was floored, probably too, uh, too strong a word, but I thought... Hey, these guys are seven and three. How many times have they been seven and three after ten years? <laughs> uh, you know, not. But I don't have that fan uh, fanatic type uh, approach. It's just not the way I'm wired. It doesn't mean that much to me. But if you're in a high watermark, I get it. Yeah. you expect you're seven and three. Not only that, eight and four seems like a lock, and nine and three is totally reasonable and it's not outrageous possible, at all. Possible? Yeah. yeah, it's possible. So I'm thinking that's pretty good, but no. Every call just hammering them. And the second call brings up, what do we got to do to get Todd Graham back? No. Get, <laughs> what? Yeah, true. true story. Are they watching Hawaii football? Come no. On. <laughs> no, they were watching what Todd Graham did at ASU. And so he got them in a better place. And the point I'm making is their athletic director comes in and says, well, okay, he's gotten us better than what we had been, but it's not where we believe we should be. And so they let him go. They pay him $10 million to walk away. Complo- completely and totally fiscally irresponsible, especially when you go relative 
to the results that Herm Edwards has produced. And then the third caller brings up Todd Graham, and the the, the host loses it. Good. He loses it. Man. <laughs> that was four years ago. I mean, he was on the verge of swearing. If it was satellite, he, he would have gone. Yeah. yeah. And But that's the way fans are. And so I related to Oregon State. Yeah, he's gotten them better, but they probably think that they're in a better spot. So I do agree with you that I believe he's safe, but you never really know, especially with a couple of ball games left. And then also, too, there may be an opening if one coach within the conference yes. takes another job. Yes, absolutely. I was about to get to that. Coach is fired. That opens jobs up. Now, who gets those jobs opens up more jobs. So let's wait and see how this plays out. Right, because on paper, Washington is one of the better jobs in the conference. If you take the historical view and you go over the last 30 or 40 years and Washington fans are more than willing to do this, then you can argue that it's the third or fourth best job in the league. I think everyone agree Oregon and USC right now are the two best. The money Oregon has and the tradition they've built over the last 20, 25, going on 30 years, really good. And SC's got the tradition over, I don't even know what it is, 80 or 90 years. And they sit right in Southern California in the recruiting hotbed. And Oregon's got the money and the Nike stuff behind him. But Washington likes to think they're right behind those two. And I don't have any problem with that. I think uh, if you got inside the coaching industry, there might be coaches who say, wow, you, you know, they're living in the past and those expectations. You, you know that story about someone telling you about Idaho State's a great job because their expectations are in line with their contracts. Whereas basketball, with, I was told that. Yeah. yeah, basketball. Whereas with Washington football, I think there's some people and coaches like Washington thinks they're way more than they are. Be careful of that job. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just four years ago they're in the playoffs. Yep. So Absolutely. we know it can be done. And yeah. I really, really believe if he wants, if he wants to, Kalani Sataki can interview for a Pac-12 job this year. I don't think – I have no doubt. Now, I mean, he may put out the signal – you know, I'm not really interested, uh, so they may not want to bother. I can't speak to what he's thinking. Uh, I can speak to what people around me tell him what he's thinking. But out of my respect for Kalani, I am not even going to ask him. And that's just no. It's not getting. It's not, I'm not going to do that. But I'm more than willing to ask people around him what they think he's thinking, because I don't want to tick him off. It's and, and, and I mean I can call him up on my own and, and ask him, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's just it's not the right thing to do. I wouldn't bug him on that. But I absolutely believe that if he wants to interview, he can. That's not an outrageous call at all. The way they've won over the last two seasons, the the schools with jobs, the, the AD wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't put out feelers. If not to Kalani directly, know how it works. There's there's third parties you can reach out to. Yeah. And so my caution to BYU is be ready. 100%. And and I, I'm really curious. You know, you can, and you brought this up with Samson. Nakua, in the previous segment, you know, and he's got a tie there because he played there, and there's a lot of people in place, and that's all good. But you never know how much people really feel um, appreciated, what level of trust there is with multiple levels of management 
Um, I think we've all been in situations where we, you know, one boss we work for is great, but another boss is lukewarm and another somebody else is, you know, putting their fingers in the pie and messing everything up, you know. So and, and does someone come with like reasonable money or does someone come with crazy, silly money? And you can say that doesn't matter, and maybe it doesn't. And you can say it shouldn't matter, and maybe it shouldn't. But I think if we start looking around college football, we can see times where people are like, i got to take that. This job, they, they turn so quick on people, and they're turning more quicker, more quickly than ever. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so absolutely. if somebody offers you, hey, here's five years and you know, 35 or $40 million, I can tell them they should say no. You can tell them they should say no, but maybe they shouldn't say no. And that yeah. goes to your point that it's crazy. And I think, and this is underrated, but I think it works the other way too. But it doesn't get as much pub. People will turn jobs down, and we may not necessarily know, so it doesn't get as much. And on the surface, if we did know, we'd say, you're crazy. But they may know, hey, the people I got to work for there, the expectations they have, I may not even get 15 or 20 games. This is nuts. I'm not taking it. And on the surface, you do the history, the tradition, you think they should. But that doesn't get as much run because we don't always find out about the people saying no. Sometimes we do, but we don't always find out. Agreed, yeah. Chris Peterson said no at Boise State a lot. And on the surface, it would seem crazy to some people. But he was choosy, and he picked his spot, and he finally went when he went to Washington. And you're right. Not only did he have a playoff, the playoff team, he won the conference title two times in three years. So... All right, DJ and PK, question of the day, the Jazz, what is wrong? They have lost four out of the last five games. They have lost two at home. Lost to Miami twice in a week. You're supposed to split when you play teams that close together. What is going wrong? What do they say is wrong? How much is it spot on, and how much is it other stuff? And we will get to that next. Stay with us. This is Unrivaled. Guys are doing a hell of a job. You take a third place Pac-12 team and put them yeah. in the Rose Bowl, or right. a five-loss team and put them in the Rose what Bowl. But what it is is it's like, but our champion is playing in the college football playoffs. And so. then you have, and then you have BYU fan who is going to be even more grumpy because let's say they get to twelve in the college football playoff. Utah with five losses wouldn't even be. They must have been unranked at that point in the college right. football playoff committee, yeah. and yeah. they'd be in the Rose Bowl. And they're playing a New the Year's Six game where BYU is going. Can I have some crumbs, sir? Can I have a bit of the New Year's Six Bowl, sir? That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Football Friday is presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman, coming up at 8.35 right now. Question today, part two, what is wrong with the Jazz? You know, PK, there's a lot of debates in the world of sports, but sometimes we actually get to uh, a point where everyone's on the same page, and then it's like you take the discussion to the next level. Is there something wrong with the Jazz is no longer a debate. Four out of five, you lose four out of five, and you're the Jazz with their expectation. Heads are turning. What, what is wrong with you guys? It's no longer is there something wrong. Something's wrong. And I thought it was interesting that um, you know Donovan Mitchell used the word embarrassing. That, that was embarrassing 
Because they didn't just lose four out of five, but they were down by 26 at home. They were getting blown out. Is mm-hmm. that rock bottom now does it change? And if you're going to turn things around, well, what's wrong? What do you have to fix to get back on the winning track? Because it's not just bad luck, bad bounces. <clears throat> Daniel says, I'll turn the channel every now and then to see how they're doing, but I refuse to watch entire games. I watched probably 80% of the game last year and invested way too much time to be disappointed with them exiting in the second round. They're not as good as they think they are, and I think Quinn is too much of a player's coach at time. At times, the players are different than in the Sloan era. So I get you can't put the hammer down like he did, but at some point you have to hold players accountable for the lack of hustle, defense, and constantly complaining to referees. These guys are professionals and should act like it. I think many things. That is a heck of a take from Daniel right there. One, from what we've refer- what we've heard referenced by players, Quinn puts the hammer down, but only in private. In those post-game things, he will talk about the team and in generalities, but from, well, Joe Ingles on our show, I guess, would be the, uh, would be the obvious one. But um, Alec Burks was, was saying once, you never want to be in the film session. You do not want to be in the film session the morning after a game. That doesn't tell me that Quinn Snyder so is a players coach. <laughs> I think he was saying you better do things right during the game so okay. you don't get called out by the coach because it's super uncomfortable. I think in today's world, every coach has to be a player's coach to one degree or another. Oh, I see where you're going there. The individual players can have so much power. And, I mean, they they basically fall over themselves to make sure Donovan Mitchell is happy and whatever he wants. And he there's some people in the public who call him out of fans because they don't like whatever political stance his latest thing is on. Although I don't know how you can argue with what his latest thing and how you can say he's outrageous in saying that what he said, but that's in my opinion, uh, on this, uh, this little tragedy of last week, that's for sure. But some people get turned off by other stuff. I have a hard time seeing how you can get turned off by last week, but other stuff. And he has the full support publicly of the Jazz because he basically holds the franchise in his hands because he's that good of a player. And so the better the player, the more leverage the player has. So the coach better be in a position to have that player like him. And so, and that's not unique to hear by any stretch. So everyone, to an extent, has to be a pleasure co- player's coach. I don't think that that's the issue. I was thinking about what you said last week that historically his teams get off to a slow start. So this is what's happening. I think that's some of it. I do think that they have got to figure out how to solve the switching. Um, That's bugging him. It leads to a lot of dribbling, so the offense doesn't look right. It doesn't pass the eye test. But I think they know they have to beat people off the dribble because the pick and rolls they use um, aren't, aren't as likely to work. Um, but people are hitting other stuff. Michael says, number one, rebounding. Well, that has certainly been a problem in some games. You can't argue that. Number two, worrying too much about officiating. Yeah. Uh, um, three, three-point shooting and spacing. So Michael just keeps going. I mean, he, he's got a list. Um, Tammy says, I honestly think they've put too much pressure on themselves. They're all trying to do too much themselves instead of passing the ball. And then add on to that that the three-point shots have been subpar this year, which I think yeah. is related to my first point, and it appears they have forgotten how to have fun. 
Well, that gets circular, Tammy, because winning is fun. And you can't have as much fun when you're down by 26. You start having fun when you're down by 26, and then people definitely think you don't care. Well, they do, and they do have high, high expectations placed on them by themselves and by yeah. everybody else. You know, this is not unusual. Uh, you can go back to the Stockton alone, the peak days, and their two NBA final teams, and they had stretches where they went on the road and lost five out of six. Now, they ended up 60-win teams in the NBA Finals, but you hit these stretches. But when one player says it's embarrassing, that's Donovan's word. It's not our word. That's Donovan's word in postgame. We played it for you about an hour ago. And then I thought the guy who really hit it on the head was Mike Conley. As usual. And paraphrasing, basically, got to focus, got to lock in. Got to have a sense of urgency. Yeah. You know, there are things that need to be done, and there's a way they need to play, and they're not there right now. And this is, I think, the, the fallout, and this happens all the time. They didn't play great basketball in the first eight games, but they got great results. They were 7-1. and one. You go 7-1 and one in the NBA in any eight-game stretch, you're having a good stretch. But now, they aren't winning. <laughs> So how do they get to the point where they know they're playing at a high level? Now, it's hard to play at a high level and sustain it. We see the Warriors. They get off to a great start, and then they go to Charlotte. We'll get to this and what is trending next. They go to Charlotte and get beat by a pretty, what I assume is another pretty mediocre to poor Charlotte team. But they get beat. We'll get to that next coming up. What is trending? On the way, all the headlines, and that was a wild, wild day in the NFL. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Mets it now to Duncan. Duncan fires. That's what we're talking about. Duncan Robinson, delicious now. Tyler to Bam. Lob deserves another. Just a good old Bam sandwich for it. Lowry, nice lob out to the top of the key to Adebayo, who gets it to Tyler for three. That thing hit nothing but nylon. Bam's got it. Tyler for three. Splash. What a turnabout of things. Donovan driving in the lane. Stops. Twirls. Got it. 37.5 seconds left. They're down two possessions. Miami should just take a 24-second shot clock violation here. Utah Jazz fall to the Miami Heat, 111-105. The Jazz were down big. Rally got within four but couldn't get any closer. Tyler Hero leading Miami with 27 points. No Jimmy Butler, no problem. The Heat sweep the two-game season series from the Jazz, beating them twice in eight days and disappointing would seem to be the minimum bar for how uh, jazz fans would analyze that loss and if you want to go higher than that and pile on more well hard not to because it's four losses in five games and that was a bad week eight days actually eight days a week yeah i see where you're going thank you sing it (laughs) it's probably not good for me to sing right now no you uh... really shouldn't your voice is hanging by a thread i know Uh, i've been there yeah i would think we've all been there uh but yeah, it's a bad week, no question about it. They're in a slump. And so what do we do? How much do we react to the slump? How much do we underreact? How much do we overreact? All those things are in a big pot of stew, and we all get to taste it and decide what we want to say. Uh, but there's no question right now, they're in a slump. I haven't removed or reduced or limited 
my expectations of this team, they're still there. But let's get going now. You've been playing for, what's today, the 15th? Uh, not quite a month. We're getting real close to it now. And Thanksgiving's next week. You know, little check marks in the season. And here we are. You know, college football season's winding down. You know, all these things in our body clock and our minds that says, all right, guys, now l- let's get going here. And this is where they're at. You know, they, they have underachieved here uh, of late. And fix it. Change it, man. Eight and five ties them with the Clippers for fifth. They're only a half game in front of the Lakers, and we think the Lakers are having major problems, major struggles. Now, you can go through a bunch of stuff. Well, the Lakers have played 11 of 14 at home, and that's true. So there's some things hidden in the schedule that, you know, could work in the Jazz' favor, but it is without question beyond time to get going. And the Jazz schedule is about to get really home heavy here. It's just, just a couple games this week have started to kind of even it out. And they, they're home against Philly on Tuesday, and they're home again Thursday. And they only have two road games uh, and to get into December, and you just can't play bad basketball and waste. I know you hate the schedule analysis, PK, but I believe it's real. And this is an easy, softer spot in the schedule. And they got to cash in and start winning. They said the right things after the game, and they got two days off to get ready for Philly, and Philly may not be coming in full strength. So, do it not. Right. So, let's see them get going. And I think the rebounding needs to be fixed ASAP. The offensive issues, timing's everything, and you got to work at it for a while before it really clicks. I believe that. It's a very fine line offensively between things working and things not working. But the effort and hustle plays, they should always be there. They need to be there. you gotta, you got to win a 50-50 balls, and you got to grab more rebounds. There's just no way around that. Jazz and Sixers tomorrow night, 8 o'clock TNT. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Lob under to AD. He's underneath. Is he going to try to force his way in? He does. Gets it back and scores. He's just too big and good yeah. for this team. Bridges cuts into the honeycomb. Up with the right hand. Floats it in. Miles Bridges not dilly-dallying around. Right to the rim. Back to Caruso in front to the Marta Rosen on a switch by Hartenstein with a pull-up. Topside jumper. Got it from 20 feet. DeRozan now with 30 points in this game. Trey is going to come back and get it across. Trey in the middle behind the pick. Got pushed. Shoved. Three-pointer. Trey on the way. Bang! Highlights from the NBA, several interesting games. The Warriors with the NBA's best record going to Charlotte and get beat. They're still 11-2. They still have the best record, but did that catch your eye a little bit, PK? Yeah, but I thought you underestimated Charlotte in in the last segment. I think they're a little bit better than we think, than you may think. 8-7 through 15 games screams mediocre to me. Now that better than what they've turned in because they've had a lot of 32-win seasons mixed in there. So, maybe a step up from that. Yeah, but their best player is what, 20, 21 years old? Arrow is up. Uh, The Suns. We drew parallels between the Jazz and the Suns last year. Will we be drawing parallels between the Jazz and the Suns in a couple weeks? I bring that up because the Suns beat the Rockets, 115-89. There are soft spots in the schedule and playing the Rockets. that's, That's a game everybody circled as a W. But it's not just this game. The Suns, after losing three of their first four... Jazz have lost four in the last five. Suns started one and three. Now they've won eight in a row. And they got the second best record in the West behind the Warriors. Yeah. 
The Lakers have inched within a half game of the Jazz. They beat the Spurs. Of course, you get the Spurs at home. You're supposed to win, but the Lakers did it. They improved 8-6. and six. Anthony Davis, 27 points. Uh, I didn't see a lot of that game, but I saw a little bit of it. And all I could think of was Steve Cleveland's voice, our basketball insider. And he said, I know why AD doesn't want to play the five, but they're way better when he plays the five. Out of pick and roll, out of half-court traps, AD was getting dunks, PK. Of course he went for 27 in the first half. If you give a wildly talented, athletic seven-footer a bunch of dunks, he's going to score a bunch of points. It was one dunk after another dunk after another dunk. Well, dunk you very much. Exactly. Other scores, the Nuggets beat the Blazers and beat them badly. 124-95 to the final. Jokic, 28-9-9. and And Denver, now third in the West at 9-4, a game in front of the Jazz. Bulls beat the Clippers. DeMar DeRozan lighting it up. 35-point game. Clippers go down to the feet like the Jazz. They are now 8-5. DeAndre Hunter, Atlanta Hawks, undergoing surgery to pair a right wrist injury, expected to miss eight weeks. He was hurt in a game against the Golden State Warriors a week ago, and they've decided surgery is the way to go. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Inbound to Timmy, catches, uses the glass, and scores. Nice look from Hickman to Timmy. 28 for Drew. Passes back to Timmy. Drew thought about a 12-footer, pulls it down. Now splits two horn shirts and scores two more. The career high continues to climb. 34 for Timmy. He got to 37, and Gonzaga beat Texas. That wasn't, it didn't, Gonzaga didn't look like that was very difficult to do. Now, they are at home, and that can't be replicated in the NCAA tournament and all that. But you start wondering, are they number one again? Are they that good? Can they make another run to the championship game? Could they get it done this time? It's hard to decide those things in November. But, man, everything about that game in the eyeball test says, Drew Timmy's awesome. Gonzaga is awesome. How do you measure up with them? So you like Drew Timmy over Timmy Allen and (laughs) Timmy Timmy Coco Puff? That's a lot of Timmys. But, yes, Timmy Allen, the former Ute, is now in Texas. Uh, what happened in November doesn't necessarily tell us what's going to happen in March. It's like you said earlier, it's hard to get into these games because you know these teams have a lot of time to tinker and build and get better and players can improve and some guys will get hurt and get knocked out. So can't oversell them. I'm glad they play these games early. But man, Gonzaga, you had a big lead in that game. You were pretty comfortable. Yeah. Drew Timmy is the early camp, early leader for player of the year. BYU is 2-0. They grind out a win over San Diego State, 66-60. Game two, like game one, competitive. And like game one, BYU making the key plays down the stretch and getting the win. You like the start they're off to. Well, anytime you're 2-0, yeah. Unless you're playing, you know, two outrageous dogs, which they did not. Sure, yeah, a lot of new faces. And then when you get down to crunch time, go to Barcelo. He's not a new face. He's really good. And he will be taking as many big shots as possible at BYU. Yeah, no problem there. Utah is also 2-0. They crushed Sacramento State 89-56. Brandon Carlson, a career-high 21 points. The Utes have Bethune-Cookman tonight, 8 o'clock, Pac-12 Network, coached by Reggie Theus, former NBA player and UNLV college star. NBA coach as well. 
Utah State beat Richmond. Justin Bean went off. You and I were just talking about the arc of the Aggie program and the coaching changes and where they were going. And you were, you know, obviously there's a couple players who really powered it. And you're like, man, Justin Bean, he's a pretty good player, though. You got to give him some credit. And then he went off and had way better than a pretty good game. 30 points, 14 rebounds. He had a terrific game as the Aggies beat Richmond. Oh, that's just massive in a 40-minute college game. Right? (laughs) Right? That was outstanding. Dixie State beat Southern Utah 83-76. Both those teams now 1-1. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Snap to Prescott. They blitz him. He throws it left. Lambs in the corner of the end zone. And he walks under the ball. Touchdown to C.D. Lamb. His second. And he comes up grinning at Dalton Schultz and shrugging his shoulders saying that was too easy. Jones takes and snaps. Back two steps. Throws to Henry. Wide open. Middle of the end zone. Zoe called it. And Jones delivered it. Second touchdown of the day for Hunter Henry. And the route is on for the Patriots. Out of the eye formation. First and goal from the one. Zach Moss takes the handoff. Tries to bully his way behind. Right tackle. And he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Fourth and goal at the one. 31 seconds. Handoff gets in. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Washington. Mahomes moving to his left. Holding it. Now steps up and is going to pump fake it. Now throws across his body left for the end zone. And the pass is going to be caught in the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Highlights from the NFL in a league where there are usually a lot of close games, and there were there were some. Certainly, the Titans and Saints was uh, two good teams, two winning records, two teams missing running backs, and it comes down to a two point conversion, and the Titans find a way to win again, and they improve to eight and two, best record in the AFC, tied to the best record in the NFL. But as much as that game was competitive, there were blowouts all over the place, PK. There were there were games that definitely looked more like college scores with you know, 30 and 40-point wins. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Cardinals getting run off their home field by Carolina. Yep. Shocking. 34 to, 34 to 10. Yeah. Cam Newton just in short yardage situations, which means in the red zone. He runs for a score. He throws for a score. I think he only has seven snaps, though. At least you throw up his carries and attempts. He may have come in and handed it off to somebody else for a couple more plays. So limited role, but effective role for him. But no Kyler Murray. They're 8-2. and two. They don't have their guy. Well, we all accept they're not going anywhere in the playoffs without their guy. So I don't know that that loss says a lot about what to expect out of them in the postseason and uh, how I view no. them as a contender. But at the same time, with Colt McCoy, they blasted San Francisco on yeah, the road. They did. I, I didn't expect them to be down 31-3 to at home. Completely agree. Uh, Packers are 8-2. and two. They also had a loss without Aaron Rodgers uh, a week ago. They bounced back, shut out the Seahawks 17-0. You don't see that many shutouts in the NFL, and Seattle hasn't been shut out in a little more than 10 years. Russell Wilson's first game back, and that game was 3-0 in the, in the fourth quarter. That is not what they've been looking for in the league office. They've changed a lot of rules over the last 40 years to make sure this doesn't happen. But in the rain and a little snow at times in Green Bay, it happened. Absolutely miserable. Yeah. The two star quarterbacks there, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, combined for three interceptions. Russell had two. Rodgers had one. And zero touchdown passes. Both running to short running touchdowns for the Packers. Uh, more blowouts. Dallas just got humiliated by Denver. Turns around and annihilates Atlanta, forty-three to three. 
The Bills blow out the Jets 45 to 17, and the Patriots put it on the Browns 45 to 7. Mac Jones throws for three touchdowns. I know it's too early to say, but he was the last of the first round quarterbacks. Mm. Is he going to end up being the best? Well, Lamar Jackson wasn't, and, and, and Marino wasn't that the situation there and all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, so Everybody passed on Breeze. He was the first quarterback in the second round. So teams do miss on quarterbacks. There's no doubt about that. And we'll see how it goes. There's a long way to go and lots of times for all these guys to get better. But Mac Jones and the Patriots, at this point in the season, you can't you can't really complain. You're 6-4. and four, You're sitting in a potential playoff spot. And as rebuilds go for the Patriots, if they continue this, this is a quick turnaround and makes the hoodie look good, even if you don't like him. The hoodie look goody? The hoodie look goody. <laughs> but the AFC still, you know, you lose a couple games and you plummet from a wild card to out. So no, it's not like anything's settled yet. But, man, they just they, – the Browns and Patriots both came in 5-4, and four and it was not close. Other games that caught your eye, Chargers with a couple disappointing losses just when it looked like they might take off. They're 5-4, and four, they're still in it, but the Vikings went in and won 27-20. <clears throat> the Buccaneers, that's the one I left out. The Buccaneers, what are you doing going to Washington and getting beat 29-19? to Not skins. getting edged, not a bad bounce. You got beat. Washington's 3-6 and six with that victory. They are not a good team. I think that was probably the stunner of the season so far. And I know Tampa Bay, a little shorthanded, but everybody's shorthanded. And you're missing you wrong hands. Yeah. You got other thank you. You got other you got other weapons there. You know the guys you can throw to and sure you miss Gronk, but that doesn't explain it. Well, Gronk ain't playing 17 games, so forget it. It's never going to happen, right? Yeah. Get him healthy for the playoffs. Get him healthy for the playoffs, no doubt about it. Rams and Niners tonight 6:15 on ESPN. Now the Rams at 7 to 2, if they win and the Niners are 3 and 5, if the Rams win, they're eight and two, tied for the Cardinals for first place in the division, and then tied with the Packers and the Titans and the Cardinals for the best record in the NFL at eight and two. Cowboys seven and two, so just bye weeks playing into that there. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Keeping it around the right side to the goal line. Leans forward. He's in. Touchdown, Utah. Cam rising his fourth rushing touchdown of the season. Haversick has plenty of leg behind it. And it is good. 57 yards for Lucas Haversick. I formation. Quick hit on the move into the end zone. Touchdown, Utah. Brent Keithy. Second and goal, T.J. Pledger stood up, lunges forward, he's in, touchdown. T.J. Pledger is second of the day. Up is down. I've been turned inside out, P.K. What? It has to be said about Utah. Thank goodness for the Utah offense. When will the rest of the team, the defense and the special teams, catch up to the excellence of the Utah offense? Never. Things we rarely say about the Utah football team, a team that usually wins with defense and sometimes is one with special teams. And the offense, they were at a high level from the first drive to the last drive, and they played well. And they did it without Tavian Thomas. And 
They ran the ball. They got first downs. Pledger went over 100 yards. I thought Cam Rising had a really good game. Made a lot of big throws, good throws, first downs. They had to convert, you know, third and long, and he threw it, and they got the first down. I thought there were a lot of good things on offense. The defense has a terrible start, but after the first quarter, I thought they were fine. And then the special teams. They can't even punt the ball. And if one guy hadn't blocked it, then the second guy would have. Those three, those three protectors back there had to block like six guys. That was that was trouble. No, oh, it ended up being trouble. Yeah, it ended up being a touchdown if I remember correctly. It was, right? yeah. And and yeah, it was one of those punts that I don't even know that they had. You know, they didn't have to like Greg Luganis full on dive. No, no, they just ran, took it off his foot, and then yeah, like eight yeah. guys celebrated in the end zone. And, and, and when you get that kind of block, it's not going to be. Uh, like a tip pass where it can go anywhere or something. Yeah. It's just going to drop right there, and you've got more guys than one hapless punter who's facing the wrong way and maybe on the, on the ground. Yeah. So it's going to lead to a touchdown. Yeah, it was shocking. Gave them a, a big time momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, Arizona, uh, Utah's offense didn't do anything that surprised me. Uh, I thought that drive at the end of the first half was very important. They got right down to uh, basically like the one or two yard line and time was running out and they took a timeout. They made a really cool play. They had the Cubby come in motion towards the line, but he, uh, as he was going, he didn't get anywhere near the line of uh, the, the left guard there, or left tackle, I should say, and Rising gave him the ball and he just sort yeah. of turned his left shoulder and he's in. It was, I thought it was a really cool play and I thought that was a big, big drive because it's reestablished. And they just didn't play their best game, but so what? I don't care. It, it, they didn't need to play their best game. Why waste your best game uh, against Arizona? What, what, what were you going to achieve? And, and you're not going to be what 52 to seven every week. And it's Arizona's senior day and 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 all that stuff. And so good for them. I, I find myself rooting for Jed Fish because of our our Jersey connection there. And, and I've talked to some people about what kind of guy he is. And they play tough. And but the Utes got the win. And in the end, that's all that matters. They got the win. That was a cool play at the end of the half. It was uh, it was it was Keithy not Covey. I thought it was a little Canadian Football League. I want to know who's got the ties to the CFL. In, in the Canadian football, you can run towards the line of scrimmage at the snap, which you can't do in the NFL or in college football. But by putting him, they they were in that bunch formation, real tight. You know, basically yeah. it looked like three tight ends the way they lined up. I'm not sure exactly which who all the players were. And then they shift, and he goes out wide. But then he's running. Quote, I'm making air quotes, downhill, but he's got momentum and the defender standing yeah, still yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. big and the defender's a little smaller standing on the goal line and it's supposed to knock him backwards to keep him out of the end zone. Good luck with that. So that was a good play. Wouldn't, wouldn't seem BYU you run I, a similar type play? Did I say Covey? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just a cool play. And, and I was glad they, I'm glad they went for it rather than settle for three. Right. And it was like, hey, we could run this play. We got a timeout. We could call timeout with one or two seconds left and kick the field goal if we had to. Exactly. Um, but they got into the end zone, and that gave them the lead at halftime, and they never gave the lead up, and they win the game. Utes improved to 7-3 and three with Oregon coming to Rice-Eccles Stadium Saturday, 5.30 on ABC. And then how about the coach calling me out for my fly? That was odd because we all saw it on camera. Um his reaction, but obviously we didn't see you. So was that really a problem? Oh, because I left the room in tears. I was he publicly <laughs> humiliated me. I hate that man. <laughs> and I told Harlan 
that my lawyer will be contacting him. <laughs> nice. And he said he expected some type of call, and he was going to get with his lawyer. All right, if you could just be fully dressed, X, Y, Z, in the next post game, that would be good. I, I told him I was a little warm in the room. I needed to. Breathe. Oh, dude, dude! Is that a snowbird hat? It is. There you go. <laughs> that gets my juices flowing. Yeah. You can think about that in a little bit. But. Yeah, you don't. You don't, PK. Is your fly open? Yeah. <laughs> it is. That's what friends are for. Who needs enemies with friends like that guy? You know, he's an excellent football coach, but he is an evil man. <laughs> there it is. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. And this time they will run the fly sweep. Scarber trying to dance around the edge. Gets into the end zone. Savon Scarber. The rushing touchdown. And the Aggies on the board with the score. And fakes the handoff. Looking to the outside. Has a man. It's caught. Derek Wright. Yes, sir. Derek Wright with a touchdown in the corner of the end zone. What a throw by Logan Bonner. And the Aggies an extra point away from tying things up here in San Jose. And they got the penalty, don't they? It's a quick play. He's looking deep. Looking for right. It's up for grabs. Right comes back and scores. Right. What an adjustment. Comes back around. Gets in front of the defender. Reels it in. And folks, you just got yourself a Utah State touchdown. Derek Wright. That was filthy. That was an awesome play by Wright. That ball was underthrown. The defender had him screened away from it. And he just slows down for half a beat. Nice in front. front. Great adjustment on the ball. Catches it and scores. And PK, I thought the Aggies could win that game. I thought they probably would win that game. They were favored. But at no point did I think they were going to run San Jose State off the field. And that second quarter, they completely flipped the game. Of course, they're on the road again. Fifth straight road game. They've gotten down by double digits and a fifth straight time they've come back to win. But this time falling down 14-0 and then winning the rest of the game 48-3. Super, wow. Super impressive. Ran them off the ran them off the field. The showdown. The Aztecs and the Aggies. Yeah, the Aztecs have a Boise State showdown first. <laughs> Gotta get by that one. Well, no, 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 they don't. screw up against UNLV. Yeah, actually, I think they do. They could end up in a three-way tie for the division. I don't know how that tiebreaker play out. It so. plays out in their favor. Trust me. I've already examined everything. Oh, cool. That's good to know. I'll stop worrying about that then. Are you serious? Are you making that up? I'm making it up. Dang it. I was afraid of that. <laughs> All right, Utah State. They've got Wyoming Saturday. They beat White. It's uh, senior day, senior night, 6 o'clock, CBS Sports Network in Logan. Win that game. Win at New Mexico in the finale. And they are into the conference title game. San Diego State in the lead in the other division after uh, holding off Nevada with a late field goal. Nevada and Fresno just a game behind. Still crazy in that division. But Utah State beat Wyoming, beat New Mexico, let that other division sort itself out. Whatever. It's right in front of them. We'll talk with Blake Anderson coming up at 9.30. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Back to throw McNamara. Pressure coming. Got to throw. Throws. He's got all. Crossing route. He's at the 40. He's heading down the sideline. The 20. He cuts it to five. Did he get in the end zone? Yes. Touchdown, Michigan. Eric All on a crossing route. And the Wolverines retake the lead. Second down seven for the Bears. They've driven to the Oklahoma 14. And off. Nope. Keep it. Bohannon running left. Bohannon to the 10. To the five. To the end zone. Gary Bohannon. Second rushing touchdown today. The Bears. 
Bears punch it in. Final play. Camp rolls over to the right side. Steps up pressure. Got to get rid of it. He's going to heave it towards the end zone. It's going to go around the five. The ball's tipped in the air. Still being tipped. Caught. Touchdown. South Dakota. Daniels in the gun. He looks right. He's flushed out of the pocket to the right. Throwing on the run. It's caught. It's caught. Casey. And Kansas will win. Holy cow. Garrett Casey with the play of his life. And the Jayhawks take down Texas. What a day of college football. PK, why do you love college football? Because of Saturdays like uh, yeah, two days ago? That was wildly entertaining. Dramatic. There were yeah. so many dramatic games, and they don't all matter for the playoffs. And it doesn't they, they're not rivalries yet, the big the rivalries. We got some this week and a lot in two weeks. Uh, but it, it was just it was fun. It, it was fun to watch some of the games, and some of the teams really are who we thought they were. Uh, Ohio State beat Purdue 59-31. Are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to take a second loss and get knocked out? Ohio State's offense is awesome. And they had eight touchdowns, a field goal, one punt, no turnovers, and kneel downs. I mean, their offense was spectacular. But the defense, they gave up 31 to Purdue. The defense has issues. Can the offense always be great? Is the defense going to struggle against Michigan or Michigan State or in the Big Ten title game and get them beat? The defense is not great. Okay, but it, it, college football is an offensive game now. So they anyway. can just keep outscoring people. I, now, I mean, right, right now, Ohio State's the best, second best team in the country. Georgia is number one, and nobody is yeah. debating that the way they're be- beating people. Now, Oklahoma, like Georgia, was undefeated, and college football is a offensive game. And the Big Twelve has had crazy offensive games. But not so much this year. Oklahoma State's leaning more on defense. Baylor's defense gets it done in a 27-14 win over Oklahoma. So cross off another unbeaten. It's Georgia, Cincinnati, and Texas San Antonio. We're down to three now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Pac-12 football, Oregon up 14-0 on Washington State after a quarter tied at halftime, but Oregon really took over in the second half. They win 38-24. Oregon knows if they beat Utah, they win their division. The winner of this game Saturday night wins their division in the Pac-12, and then we'll find out if the loser wins the division three and a half hours later based on the outcome of the ASU-Oregon State game. They could both oh, clinch this weekend. Yeah, I, so what? It's done. It's done. It's Oregon and Utah. Start selling tickets. <laughs> uh, other games that we heard in there. Notre Dame beat Virginia 28-3. You ruling the Irish out of the playoff yet? Or all these leagues, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Big 10, could all come up with a two-loss champion, and Notre Dame could find their way in. Well, I think a, lot, a large degree depends on what happens with Cincinnati. That's because another passer. Cincinnati's if, – if SMU, and I think that's what they play this week, which is a pretty good ball club, if they beat Cincinnati, that's hurting Notre Dame. Although it could also open up a berth for Notre Dame. So you're right. It's, it's a double-edged sword there. Yeah, I think it hurts more than helps, but you need to have it. So it's like Notre Dame's in a no-win situation, basically, because Cincinnati doesn't have the respect that it deserves. Uh but and that's yeah. why, and that's why Notre Dame will root for Utah. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you're all about the Utes. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, Knock Oregon out of there. Let's get that over with. Check those guys off the list. Uh, you're right. It is SMU. That's 1:30 on ESPN. They ought to handle East Carolina, and then they probably get Houston in the title game. And Houston is nine and one, and they're now ranked. 
So there's a couple of good tests out there for Cincinnati here. Well, we knew that the AAC at the top had several good teams. And now now Cincinnati's got a plan. They'll be in the Big 12. So they basically took the best to come over here, which is why the Big 12 is going to be in an excellent league for the Cougars. The Cougars struck gold on this as far as I'm concerned. BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF combined right now, I think they're sitting on six losses. All of them combined. And with AAC teams playing each other, you know, you end up with a certain amount of losses built in. Uh, they got to happen. These teams are all coming in at a pretty high level. Washington fired head coach Jimmy Lake. We got to this uh, into this a little earlier in the show. If you missed it, uh, Jimmy Lake, third Pac-12 coach out, and that conference may not be done le- yet. A lot of jobs open, and these schools would be crazy not to call Kalani Sataki. How much w- will he be the guy is different than getting a call. How much will they offer? How will BYU respond? And deep down, what does Kalani really think? You were talking earlier about Donovan Mitchell. You know, when you're that good and you're a star player, you have a ton of options. We saw it with Durant, right? He had the option to go to Golden State, and he did. He had the option to go to the Knicks, and he didn't. He had the option to go to the Nets, and he did. That's where a good college football coach sits. When you're on top of the world, there are multiple jobs open, and it just comes down to when you go, just go into a room by yourself and sit and think, or maybe immediate family, you know, what do you really want to do? And you get to do it. Well, I think the three bona fide openings – there should be some conversation. You're talking the, the three in the Pac-12 with Washington and Washington State. That are and, literally and already USC. open. Yes. Which was the first one to open. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is freaky. You know how sometimes if you don't touch your computer and it'll go to a, a some type of screen picture. Screensaver, yeah. yeah. It just came up and it was a picture of Seattle. Is this an omen? Kalani to the Huskies? This is freaky. Weber State blows out Southern Utah 62 to nothing. And Dixie State gets their first win of the year, beating Division II Fort Lewis 62-21. That's a lot of points. A couple of 62-point game winners there. And what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up next, we are talking Ute football with Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman. Stay with us. Is unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. You take a third place Pac-12 team and put yeah. them in the Rose Bowl, or right. a five-loss team and but put them it, in the Rose Bowl. But what it is is it's like, but our champion is playing in the college football playoffs. And so. then you have, and then you have BYU fan who is going to be even more grumpy because let's say they get to twelve in the college football playoff. Utah with five losses wouldn't even be. They must have been unranked at that point in the college right. football playoff committee, yeah. and yeah. they'd be in the Rose Bowl. And they're playing a New Year's Six Bowl. game where BYU is going. Can I have some crumbs, sir? Can I have a bit of the New Year's Six Bowl, sir? That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's time to welcome in Utah offensive lineman Nick Ford. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Nick, good morning. Good morning. So, Nick, I know you got a big game coming up this week, and I know you've got to look ahead, not back, and uh, we will get to all of that. But, of course, when I say all that, that means I want to look back. And <laughs> I, am, I am curious here, um, 
Because it is about the journey. You do want to get to the destination. You want to get to the Rose Bowl. You want to get to the playoffs. Those are all goals. Everybody wants to win their conference when the season starts and all that. But you don't get to play that many games. You play 12, not the 30, 35, or maybe even 40 some college basketball teams get to play. And so you really got to enjoy one when you win one. And I'm just curious, if on the plane flight back, does the O-line sit together, or, or maybe in the locker room after the game, do you take a moment and appreciate what a hot mess the O-line was early in the season and some losses, guys not knowing who to block, blowing assignments. I'm sure it's painful to watch on film. How hard everybody works over the course of six weeks and how much the O-line as a group and the entire offense as a group was there for the team when they really needed it to avoid a big upset because after the block punt, that could have gone another way. Anybody who watched Kansas and Texas knows that could have gone another way and you could have lost. And that eight-plus-minute eight drive for the touchdown to ice it, man, there, there's a lot of good football in there. Do you ever sit back and appreciate big picture the journey from we're not good right now, we're hurting the team, to man, in the clutch, we delivered. We did our part and we got it done. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there is that, uh, you know, recognition of what we did for the team. And, you know, that's, that's all it is, what, what we did for the team. And it's, it is in the past. And, uh, you know, we just got done doing film, watching film, and it was addressed. And, you know, we, um, you know, talked about it, how it was a really good drive. And, you know, that really just set the shape of the offense and, you know, set the tone for the room. And at the same time, you know, like you said, it is it is the past, and uh, uh, we're only as good as our last game. So we need to continue to build off of that and uh, make sure that we continue to do that and not get caught up in the fact that we have already done it once. So I was down there in Arizona and Tucson for the game, and I was on the field at the end, and I saw that you were on your back, and they were administering you. What was going on, and how do you feel? <laughs> I'm all good. I, everyone, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's all worried. I just had really bad cramps, man. I uh, I have a really bad sinus infection, and I'm on a buttload of medication. And some of the medication uh, will make you dehydrated. And uh, during that uh, last drive, when we hit that um, that quarterback sneak, my uh, my hamstring started to cramp. And then after that, next play it was my calf, and the following play, my stomach, my back, and. I was just like, yeah, I got to finish this drive before anything else. <laughs> Look like Goliath on the floor, on the ground there. I mean, you're a big guy, obviously, and I was a little nervous <laughs> for you. <laughs> Appreciate it. So after the game, um, Kyle had a lot of good things to say about the offense, and in his press conference last week, he actually brought you up and talked about you as a jack-of-all-trades and then caught himself and says – that sounds a little bit, I'm paraphrasing, I think he said, that sounds like a hollow compliment or something. It just sounds like, you know, you can do a lot of stuff, but nothing was. He's, he's playing multiple positions at a really high level based on whatever we need right then. So that's a really good compliment from the head coach, number one. And then number two, how, for those of us who haven't played O-line, and PK and I are not big enough to have ever played O-line, what, What's the difference between the positions? What do you have to change when you're moving from one position to another midseason and you got to flip the switch? Oh, it's, it's, it's everything. I mean, um, the way you set at tackle, guard, and center is completely different. Uh, your weight distribution on your legs are different. Uh, the angles in which you kick out at on pass blocks are different. And um, the way you invert your feet on certain moves is different. And the same thing on, you know, a bunch of – 
uh, run plays, the angles you take and everything you do. So, um, you know, it is really difficult. And on top of actually being able to do that, now you have to add in the mental aspect of understanding the plays, understanding the play calls, uh, what your job is, your gap responsibility, your zone responsibility. Um, you know, it is difficult, quote-unquote. I don't, I don't personally find it difficult. Because uh, that's kind of always been my thing is making sure that uh, I'm I'm able to do whatever the team needs, um, and I have a really uh, profound understanding of the offense, and uh, so the mental aspect is really easy to me. Um, and then just getting out there and moving around um, every once in a while, you know, you have those couple reps where your feet will go back. Uh, that was kind of like me a couple years ago, but. I think this year my uh, my body is well in line with, okay, I'm at this spot. This is what I need to do. Um, and, that's yeah, that's basically all it is, is just knowing where you need to be and how you need to get there and, you know, the difference between 45 degrees and 90 degrees and a whole bunch of other things. We saw that Thomas, Thomas was out at running back, so you went with Pledger and Bernard Moore, and you still had a ton of success running the ball. Obviously, Pledger went over – 100 yards uh you know you talk about when quarterbacks are in there and you have to be aware of because each quarterback is different how much does the offensive line have to be aware if at all who the running back is um they do each will have their own style of play from uh tavion tj uh and chris um but they're very similar in the way they're coached I think their style of play shows more at the second level and the third level. And uh, the the great thing about all our backs right now is they're they're all patient and they wait for the holes to open up and they understand the movement and they understand where we're going. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and you can see that earlier in the season, you know, uh, the backs were, you know, going really quick and hitting holes and, you know, the hole wasn't really open yet. And as season uh, developed, they started to understand that, you know, the holes take a little bit to open, so they started pressing it a little more and, you know, finding those creases. Um, so I, I wouldn't say you have to uh, differentiate too much. i say the main thing is you uh, you just get a different type of personality in a huddle and a different type of personality when uh, they start breaking open into the secondary and the linebackers. Nick Ford joining us, University of Utah offensive lineman. You said you've already watched the film. I'm curious – what is the room like when uh, a bunch of big dudes who spend three hours shoving people around the field so the team can win, when they see tiny little Britton Covey, all 168 pounds soaking wet with a pocket full of quarters, run up and do the bush push and shove a teammate forward five <laughs> yards to pick up a first down? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's, it, you know, it shows how much heart this team has and how much heart he has. and It, it, it really shows that you know, size does not determine anything, especially in this uh, sport of football. If you have a great heart and great work ethic, and that's that's all Covey is, great heart and work ethic. And as soon as that play started, coach was like, hey, look at look at little squirt here pushing the pile. And we all looked straight at Covey. We knew who he was talking about. And we all started screaming, wow. Oh. So, I mean, it, you know, it just shows how much, you know, heart, um, you know, this team has and really how much heart and passion Britain has for the game. Oregon has a beast along the defensive line. I'm sure you're well aware. Number five, Kayvon, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and this guy is a surefire NFL 
first-round draft pick, as Devin Lloyd is for you guys as far as I'm concerned, so maybe that flushes it out. I don't want you to give away your plan of attack, but what do you think the approach is going to be to make sure number five is as limited as possible? Uh, well, you know, you respect all programs uh, and you respect all players, and that's pretty much how it is. Uh, I got a respect for him, but, you know, you can also uh, – you know, put people on a pedestal because then they beat you throughout the week. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of our guys, me and especially our tackles, have been looking forward to this week and being able to see him and compete against him. And I think that's going to set us different versus a lot of people because I understand that a lot of people are more intimidated and we're more looking forward to it. And uh, me personally, I think it's fun. I look forward to it because I've been playing him since he was at Dorsey High back in California. So, you know, it's it's a... It's, uh, same news to me it's you know good athlete and it's it's fun to actually have have a good athlete go against you and uh you know they got a lot of athletes on that defense i mean their d-line is young and you know they're really good they're big and they're quick and uh same thing with their backer core and especially uh noah nephi's brother uh you know it's, it's gonna be a fun game it'll it'll definitely be fun i think the thing that's kind of setting us apart is we were more or less looking forward to the matchups versus, uh, you know, as some people may get nervous of those matchups. So this is a very weird situation. I do not want to undersell this game. This is two nationally ranked teams playing on ABC at 530. That's a time slot that says the TV networks think this is a, this is a big game, and they think all the fans out there think this is a big game. But you could be playing this same team, and I think you probably will be playing this same team, in another two weeks for a trip to the Rose Bowl and even higher stakes in a bigger game, does that impact this first one at all? The fact that you're probably going to see them again in two weeks? Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, we got to get one week at a time. We understand, you know, that there's, there's a great possibility of us seeing them again. And, um, you know, that's, that's all it is. I mean, you look back across Pac-12 and, you know, this happened multiple times where, you see a team twice in play, and um, yeah, you know, you just got to take it, and uh, we'll run with it and see how this first game goes. And uh, we have a plan of attack, and we're going to go into it. And uh, then you know, we see them again in a couple weeks, and uh, if that's the case, and you know, we see them, they see us. Um, we go ahead, and you know, we keep the plays that we like, change plays that we didn't like, and and I'm sure they'll do the same thing, and then. I feel like the second game is more about who could make the full-time game adjustments because not only are you going to have to make adjustments from game one, uh, I mean halftime at game one, now you're going to have to make an adjustment of the overall scheme. You guys played against each other. Then you guys see each other in December, and it's, it's a, you know, a different offense, different defense from both sides. And now you're adjusting again for a second quarter. So, you know, when you see teams like that, I think it's, you know, who could handle a lot of adjustments really quick. Well, Nick, we appreciate the time. We are looking forward to that game. Thanks for joining us, and uh, tell Britton Covey we're looking forward to seeing him push the pile again. <laughs> for sure, appreciate it. All right. Nick Ford, Ute offensive lineman, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Blake Anderson, Aggie football coach, coming up at 9.30. Question of the day next. The Utes and Cougars both ranked. Are they going to stay that way? Your reactions, which aren't as cut and dried as you would think. There's a couple outside-the-box answers coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 
time now. Really? Your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Three receivers right, single receiver left. First down and 10, back to pass. Final play. Camp rolls over to the right side. Steps up pressure. Got to get rid of it. He's going to heave it towards the end zone. It's going to go around the five. The ball's tipped in the air. Still being tipped. Caught. Touchdown, South Dakota. Oh, my goodness. The ball was tipped in the air. It was caught by South Dakota. Caleb Van Der Esch and the Coyotes have stunned South Dakota State. There's your Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450 on Unrivaled. You can win fabulous prizes. South Dakota with the Hail Mary to beat South Dakota State in their rivalry game. All right, PK, we got the question of the day. Two ranked teams. Utah joins BYU in the rankings. Both are both in for good for the rest of this season. Gabe says should be, but anything can happen in college football. USU could be top 25 soon also. Oh, yeah. Let's have them all. 23 combined uh, victories and... We were talking about how many games they're going to lose in November. It's an undefeated November so far. Utah State and BYU should both win this week. So the Zero. question is, do the Utes take down Oregon? I know. Uh, yes, they could play each other, and they, neither of them would lose. That's how well doing. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks, been missing for a while. Welcome back, Utah. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Kill them with kindness. Nice. Jake says Utah will still own the state at the end of the year. Clown comment, bro, Dave says. 26-17. BYU's 2-0 in the state. BYU owns all of Utah and all of Arizona. Get used to it. They did beat Arizona and Arizona for that state. Matter. And Virginia. They got Virginia. Now, having, that, having uh, said all of that, I just clicked on The Athletic. Washington's next football coach, Bruce Feldman's likely candidates. Guess whose photo is on the very front Dude. page? Now, what do you think I was doing last night? <laughs> Telling Bruce to get up to speed. Hey, Bruce, my man, I got some sources. You better get yourself up to Didn't speed. Didn't I text real you? Quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were on it. You did text me. Absolutely. You were on it. I was texting about 20 people. I honestly, I can't remember if I texted you. You did. No, you did. Yeah. You said we texted back and forth. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, thanks for blanking out. I mean, because I had so many texts. Uh, yeah, no, no, I know. When you going. get. Yeah. When you get in the middle of something, it gets heated up like that. Um, that's the way it goes. Uh, but for people who are like, oh, PK's friends with him. He doesn't really know. Well, number one, whether you like somebody or not doesn't necessarily get in the way of what you know or don't know about a program or a situation. And this is rampant, the, uh, the analysis here. BYU's Kalani Sitaki has done an excellent job in Provo, Utah. Now, they go on to list Jay Norville at Nevada, Fresno State's head coach, Cal's head coach, who's caught in a really weird situation. It's been pretty weird at Cal for a while now. And a uh, former Washington uh, coordinator who has uh, gone on to do well at Montana State and then has gone down to Texas. Um, so there's, there's lots of candidates, but, man, there's Kalani's photo, and there is a ra- just raving about Kalani. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay with us. More football on the way, more jazz on the way. And Blake Anderson, Aggies head coach, will join us at 930. Stay with us. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell Thursday at the warehouse from 3 to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, man, I need you to help. Boom! Big boom. There, I'll do it. 
Thank you. You so gotta, much. you gotta, you gotta hold on to that I voice. I was getting called up to do it. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Not bad, not bad for your first boom. It's not my first. I've actually done it for PK in the past when you've been. No, nah, he, he wasn't a virgin with his booms. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just dump that yak. Never a gold moment. <laughs> All right, we got uh, multiple questions out here. We got people reacting. Uh, we got the basketball question. What is wrong with the Jazz? Back-to-back home losses. Losers of four of the last five. Four losses in eight days. And they violated one of the NBA's un- unwritten rules. Thou shalt, sp- thou shalt split two games if they are played versus the same opponent in one week. And they lost them both in Miami. That only works for the Jazz if they win the first game because we create excuses as to why they can't win the second game. That is the law of probability in the NBA. It happens a lot. But the Jazz didn't do it. They got beat. So what's wrong? Trouthead says they can't shoot. They don't play defense other than Rudy. And the owner sucks. Man, people are pissed about the politics, PK. That's what it comes down to. They got nothing else to be mad at Ryan about. It's politics. What's he said now? I don't know that he said anything now. But it's the whole last year. I can't keep up. I know. Ed doesn't go to the politics. He says they're chuckers. Awful basketball. You know, I was thinking about this here in the last break. Uh, what are they? They're eight and four. Eight and five now. Eight and five now. So if they were twelve and one, we would say, "Oh yeah, but it's early. It's early." You know, we don't want them to be peaking so soon. We'll yes. see what happens here. So they've lost a few ball games. Oh, the sky's falling. Yes. Yet if they would be, if they'd be twelve and one, nah, come on, come on, relax. I mean, it's, it's it doesn't matter. Let's see what they can do in in May and June. So no matter what, and that, that's great about it because there's so much passion with the Jazz. But no matter what, we're going to come up with a, a negative viewpoint of it because everybody wants them to win so much, so bad that. Uh, we don't want to get overly optimistic, but yet when things struggle, oh my gosh, they need to make changes. You got to get rid of Joe. Come on, he's a hundred years old now. I mean, we just we go crazy on this stuff here. Yeah, it's not just Joe. Actually, we got uh, I have Joe, to whomever. find I just it. Joe. I know, but we got we had somebody here who's like they got to move Joe, Joe and Royce, and the perimeter defense isn't good enough. I'm like, you're gonna move Royce, and you think that's gonna help the perimeter defense? I am not following your logic because you got none. Well, I mean, you have to look at what Royce is making and where he fits in the puzzle because it's yeah. a big economic puzzle into a bit. Oh, absolutely. It would be a big talent uh, yep. puzzle. Yep. So uh, I would just uh, they're in a slump right now. There's no doubt about it. So in in a sense, you know, let's have the slump in November. Uh, right. I mean, yeah. they're not it's not like they're worse than they were last year. I can't believe that. And, you know, we know what they did in the regular season last year. So if you're going to have a slump, have it as early as possible. And then, that, you know, Jerry Sloan, you know, a lot of the, had a profound influence on a lot of us. And, you know, what are you made of now? Let's see what you got, that type of thing. His, his words, several coaches in our community whose words will ring in my ears long after they're done coaching and in some cases long after they're done living on earth. And he's one of them. He's right at the top. And so I channel the stuff that he would say because we've interviewed him a million times. Oh, and we've yeah. seen two million interviews. And so let, let's see. Let's see what you got now. So I find this is an interesting time because yeah, metaphorically for life, you know, no matter who you are, 
you're on top of the world, and then boom, it can be gone. And and what do you do? You know, anybody can ride the the great times. That's not hard. But what do you do in the in the in the down times, in the bad times? How do you rebound from them? And I don't want to get too dramatic here because it is basketball that we're talking about. But nevertheless, it is basketball, and they are in a downtime. So what do they do? How do they respond? And they got plenty of opportunities to respond. They've got 69 of them. Don't they? <laughs> if you want to do the math, well, if you don't count the playoffs. Well, yeah. the truth is, whatever you do in the regular season, if you win 16 times in the playoffs, and I know what people are going to say, and you and I talked about this last year, you can win the playoffs as a three or four seed. But the fact is, most teams don't. If you're the three or four seed, it's usually a question of when do you go out. If you're going to win it all, you're usually a one or two seed. Not always. There are exceptions. We can all look them up and find them. But, you know, and, and, and if you want to set the seed aside and say, well, whoever's got the best record, are you within five to six games of them in the standings? That's another way to look at it. So don't lose touch. But I think people didn't want to believe the Warriors are back. And the Warriors started 11-1. Now they lost. They're 11-2. And, and we'll see. You know, they'll play a bunch of road games here. And they've had a well, home-heavy schedule. And Curry was 7-22. It happens. Right. If he doesn't shoot it well and you're on the road and Clay Thompson isn't back yet, you're going to get beat. But is there just is there a lot of separation from the Jazz and the top teams? Are they making mistakes and having issues that they've had before and is going to bite them again. Now, there are everybody isn't on this. Actually, there are people who are right in line with what you just said. Aaron said, you know, what do I think? Nothing. It's November. You can ask this question if they come up short in the postseason for the billionth time. You know, a long way to go before that. It, it, it's not like I can't take it seriously, but we haven't even hit Thanksgiving yet. I haven't seen a snowflake. The <laughs> only one I saw yesterday was in Green Bay. And it, it, until I see snowflakes... It's hard for me to really, really bear down on any long-lasting implications and guarantees and that type of thing because it's so long of a season and we're barely into it. Uh, and, and we'd be throwing up a bunch of caution flags if they had one or two losses. Uh, yeah, but you know the storm is coming. Yeah, well, we would. Storm, storm has come. It's, it's here, all right? It's a, it's, right now it's a mini storm. It's not... It's not uh, whatever they do. We haven't, we haven't given this a, a name. You know what I mean? Give those, <laughs> nice. Those a name. I like it. You're <laughs> definitely a guy who grew up on the eastern side of the country following this stuff. In the West, we were worried about the earthquakes. I mean, made the weather on the news, but then we moved on. So I'm going to hold off. You know, if, if, if we get uh, the past Thanksgiving and seven out of eight or something, okay. But right now, nothing is nothing regarding this team. And my outlook on it has changed. Absolutely none. Because I expected a downtime. I didn't necessarily expect it now. But it's here now. So get back to what you do. Yock, mark this down. PK's turned into the voice of the reason, and I'm the one getting antsy. (laughs) We've switched roles. What is here? Yeah. And I get what you're saying. There is truth to it. But I, I am a little antsy. I am a little on edge. I said multiple times, I think these guys are really talented. I think they have a legitimate shot at the talent. I re- so or title. at the title. They have, I really like the roster. I think I like what they did in the offseason. I do have questions about Rudy Gay, which we don't need on a Monday during football season. I will save those questions for later in the week. Remind me. And if, if PK forgets, remind me, listeners, but we're not going to get into it. You mean it. Salt Lake City Stars call up Rudy Gay? So <clears throat> we will get to that coming up. But the lack of urgency bugs me, and there are plenty of people. Tony here, zero intensity from the start. 
I thought oh, against Miami. Okay, you got me there. I thought that um, Donovan was right. He used the word embarrassing, and I thought Conley was spot on as he broke down the 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 lack of urgency, the lack of ability to play a complete game. They don't have the right mindset and focus. It is what they are trying to do is very hard, and. It takes an urgency and a focus, and it really does take, even though none of us want to hear it, because we have to hear it from you, and we're just sick of hearing it from you, but it does take the jersey edge, the mentality that I'm going to grind, and if something comes up, I'm just going to chew it up and spit it out. They're doing this freeway project on I-80 and I-215, maybe other places too, but I've had to drive by it. And they're jackhammering up all the concrete, and they put it into this huge metal bin. If you drive these freeways, you've seen it. And they grind up the concrete and spit it out, and I suppose that's because they repurpose it and they reuse it, and they don't have to haul away to the dump then. They somehow reuse it in the project or whatever. That's what you got to be. you got to be able to chew concrete if you're going to get through the NFL or the NBA, these massive seasons, these super physical physical sports and get through it and do all the travel and get to the championship. And they're not showing that. But there is plenty of time to do that. But they got two days off and they got another home game. And the schedule does matter in the NBA and it is set up in their favor. PK, do you think the Sixers are coming in at full strength? No. That's another reason. So, and, and I don't know, because somebody can go 10 to 12 from three and win a game, and you can play well and it just didn't it go your way. So right. I do want to see what the game looks like, but my expectations are, all right, they've identified the problem. In the case of Mike Conley, specifically to the point. Now fix it. You got the two days off to get the legs underneath you. Let's go. The shooting worries me the least. Creating the right shots, that's something you can worry about. I think they've gotten open shots and they've missed them. And they got too yeah, many good shooters yes, for this yes, to keep yes, happening. Yes. I do yes. think that the switching bugs them. And that leads to more dribbling and the offense doesn't look right. But this is where Quinn usually starts slow and it gets better. Over the course of practices and games and film sessions, they will get better. Now, are they going to get good enough to handle Denver? I'm not sure. Are the Warriors going to sustain this? You know, your questions, these are why we watch the games, and this is why we love it. The Jazz are not head and shoulders above the West. They aren't. They might be the best. Nobody is. Good point. Unless I'm wildly underestimating the Warriors, which I don't think I am. And I think the Warriors, when they try to bring Klay Thompson back, are going to go through a rough spot. But they might have time to fix that before the playoffs, too. Uh, Something we can talk to Locke about on Friday. I know he'll have opinions on this. So all of this is sitting out there for the Jazz. And I find it super intriguing, and it bugs me when they have big games that overlap with football games. If there was anything that irritated me about the Utes this weekend, I expected them to wrap that game up by halftime. And I was going to watch that first half at home, drive down to the station, and be there for the start of the Jazz game because the second half of the Ute game wasn't going to matter. And it turned out the Ute game was still intense and still mattered, and the Jazz were underway, and we're down 17-5, and I was struggling to keep track of both games and go to work. Tick me off. Come on. The burden. Sort out my day for me. Let's go. I think there's one thing that I said last year that people scoffed at, and I think it's coming to pass this year. I think I was prophetic when I made that statement last year that the the MVP of this team last year was clearly George Niang, and I think we're seeing it now. (laughs) Nice. He'll be back. 
Tuesday night. And he has been shooting the ball. He's been playing a lot more minutes, and he's been shooting the ball well. Just had a, uh, a rare bad game. He's been off to a really good start this year. I mean, I would suspect that the reception for him would be better than Bronco Mendenhall got with BYU because I think George Niang meant that much to the Jazz. People liked him. He had fun in front of the cameras, and people want that. They crave that, and they bond with the guys who do it. So he'll get a nice reaction. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, the whole game plan for the Aggies is make sure you're down by 10 and then start playing and winning on the road. It's a bizarro script, and yet it's worked for them five road games in a row, and now at the brink. The cusp, if you will, PK. Of a Mountain Division title. We'll talk with Blake Anderson, Aggies head coach, after an excellent turnaround at San Jose State. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Forward for the Utah Jazz, Eric Pasco. What's running through your mind as you stand up and you go to step on the court for the first start of those minutes that you're going to be taking in tonight? I'll just bring energy. Literally, that's all I think of. Like, you play the game the right way and everything will fall in place. I mean, that's something that I've learned. You like the game coming to you and you always, uh, one thing you can control, you can't control if the shot goes in all the time, but you can control the energy that you bring every day. So that's one thing I try to do. And my dad always used to tell me, like, defense and energy travels. Shot always may not fall, but if you play defense, play hard. You can always control that. So I always just have that mindset going into every game. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com Purchase a Ford fans on all you need ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford fans on all you can eat tickets now. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, will be joining us momentarily here on the zone as the Aggies win again at San Jose State. PK. Yeah. You were as bullish on Utah State as anyone I knew, and they are outstripping your expectations. I think you have to agree with that. Yeah, I think that is true. Uh, 5-0 on the road, that's just incredible. Yep. I mean, you look at that. So many, so many big wins, dramatic wins. They're not done yet, and Blake doesn't want to hear about it now, but this is a dream <laughs> season. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, good morning. Good morning. When you're on hold and you hear PK say, this is a dream season, and I don't disagree with him because, well, I agree with him. It is a dream season. What's your immediate uh, reaction? Not done yet. Not a kid, Coach. (laughs) Straight Kobe on you. Just um, still tons of stuff to do and finish. It all... It all falls apart if we don't stay focused and just and keep getting better. You know, that's the best game we've played, and it came at a great time in a really, you know, for us a tough environment. I mean, you're playing the defending champs, and they're more than capable of of working you over if you don't if you don't play well. And our guys responded, so you go right back to it and say, "All right, now what?" And it's um, a difficult team coming in from Wyoming that's physical and big, and we don't play our best ball. You know, all of it won't matter. We'll be watching somebody else play in the championship game in a few weeks. And that, that would certainly suck. I like that. I like that attitude. And when you talk about focus, I think focus and confidence sort of run hand in hand. If you have one, you have the other. And if you have uh, one, you might have the other two backwards and that vice versa type thing. Um, how has this team been able to grow 
in its focus, in its confidence, because I've seen growth from where it was in September to where it is now. Yeah, completely different team than we started with. Not not that, obviously, we, we did some really cool things early, but uh, even I, I'm not even sure we expected it and probably didn't. We just were trying to go out and be the best team we could, and little by little, team came together, and I don't even know if team really comes – I don't even think that's a good word. It's really a family. Super close-knit. I have uh, become very, very um, – a very tight locker room transfers. You wouldn't know who's a transfer and who's not at this point. It's just a bunch of guys that really are enjoying play. And I don't know if y'all watched the video of the dudes dancing on the sideline the other night. I mean, they love what they're doing. And so we've, we've transformed in a lot of ways. I, I think little by little the reality of what we have a – you know, opportunity to do is, is set in, and we finally talked about it for the first time last week, uh, and, I, and I feel like they handle it very, very well. I, I think it probably helped them to be able to to be able to start talking about. All right, coach, we know, you know, we all know where we're at, and we started talking about finishing the job and and getting better each week and being at our best. Uh, so it's been a process, and it's been fun to watch a very mature group of guys handle it the right way. So you do talk about all that stuff, and you want to get off to great starts, but for the fifth consecutive road game, you're down by double digits. It's 14 nothing in the second quarter, and you're laughing now. But I wonder if you're laughing on the sideline, because watching the game, I thought, I'm not biting. I know these guys can come back. And even I didn't expect you to score 24 points on four possessions and clearly be in control of the game at halftime. What, what were you thinking when it was going wrong, and what were you thinking when it starts to turn? Well... When it's going wrong, I'm like, well, it can't get much worse. We we just were making some very, very silly mistakes. Quarterback threw an absolute terrible ball. Obviously, our right tackle went down, and Cole came in, and and they've got a couple of the best pass rushers in the league. Forty, forty two is a freak. That dude can play, uh, and, and we knew that was going to be a problem. But I I don't know. It just you just felt like on the sideline and, and just in the stadium. I've been in a lot of them. You felt like we were right where we needed to be. The points weren't – 14 points wasn't going to win the game. And that we really were owning them up front defensively and that they were going to struggle. And that we were just a hair off on offense. We, we had guys open. We had a couple – just like, all right, just hang tight. And as soon as we got the first score, it, our, our entire sideline just, just big sigh of relief. All right, here we go. Never got down, no no arguing on the sideline, really just guys picking each other up, defensive guys walking by the off. Hey, coach, guys, we got you. Don't worry about it. We got you. I never saw panic. We haven't seen that all year. And in this particular environment, it was it was crucial. Uh, and, and the, man, from that point on, you're right, 48 to 3 from that point on, it was about as good a butt whooping as you're going to as you're going to get. So it wouldn't be a Utah State game, particularly a road game, without you winning, without you coming from behind, and without Logan Bonner coming to come off the field with injuries, right? <laughs> yeah, he got hit pretty good. Uh, their their defensive front is really good and, and have gotten to everybody. He got hit a few times. I uh, got hit a few couple times late, too, but uh, just keeps getting himself up off the turf. I, I, he was in here all day yesterday, says he's, he's fine. He's, a, you know, as like anybody, beat up, sore. Coach, I'll be fine. He's he's tough. He, that's the way he grew up, and uh, and he just can, continues to get up off the turf and and make plays. I was probably as pleased with a couple times that he moved the chains with his feet 
as I was any of the throws that he made, those came at critical times when the game was still absolutely in question. And one of them down in the in the score zone that we we absolutely had to have on an off schedule down. So he's um, beat up, but not but but not at a point where he can't be effective. The way I figure it, when he has a steak, he probably doesn't even cook it. <laughs> you may be right. I don't know. <laughs> So we're all used to Devin Tompkins making plays, and he made more plays, five catches, 127 yards. It's just outrageous, 25 yards per catch. Uh, but I think if I remember one catch in that game a month from now, it's going to be Derek Wright's adjustment on the touchdown ball. That He's pinned against the sideline. The, the corner's got position. It might be an interception. Maybe he can break it up. And instead, he just pauses for an instant, knifes inside, grabs that thing and scores. I thought that was a terrific adjustment. Is that the kind of play that sends a jolt of energy through the entire sideline? Well, especially at that particular time. Yeah, we're up at that point, but it, it's still just kind of there at a, at a point where we need to stretch it out. And to make that, they got 13 guys on the field. We're able to get the ball snapped and get, them, get a free play. I think we, we may lead the country in free plays this year. Um, but I've had I've had seasons where we got those and it's just a five yard penalty. We've scored in that environment three or four, maybe five times this season, and that's just something you don't normally get. I, I told Derek he was just slow enough, just slow enough that he slipped right back inside. If he'd been if he'd actually been a fast wide receiver, he'd probably been way out in front of the guy. But he's just slow enough that he naturally just bent it back in and made the catch. He caught every ball thrown to him the other night. It didn't matter if guys were draped on him or not. I really thought he got his toe in on the other one uh, early or later in the game that was reviewed. Uh, just phenomenal hands, great, great, uh, just knack for finding the ball with traffic around him. He's done it every week. I know DT gets a lot of pub and he deserves it, but Derek has had a phenomenal season in his own right. Yeah, I was also going to speak to you about the collection of receivers. You're coming in. And we know about Tompkins. You knew about Tompkins. But as you look at it, you're not done yet. I understand that. To me, the collection of receivers and how good they've been has been a little bit of a surprise. How about to you? Well, I, I think we we felt like when we first got here and got out on the field, we we saw some some skill, but you didn't see a ton of catches on film by anybody. You know, Jordan Nathan was hurt all offseason, really never got to see him play. I think what we've got out of Griff, what Derek Wright has done, we knew what Brandon Bowling could do. I know the, the you know the fan base here really hadn't seen him. We knew what he would bring to the table. And even a guy like Kyle Van Leeuwen that, that stepped in and made some huge, huge catches. Uh, Carson Terrell at, at tight end has got great hands, and he kind of just always shows up when you need him most. I don't know that we really saw it being this diverse. We always try to use as many weapons as we can. I think it takes a lot of pressure off of everybody when you spread it around. But we've gotten some huge, huge catches from really each one of those guys in in big key moments when we had to have it. And you think about the big catch that McGriff had against Vegas that ends up extending a drive. Uh, the catch you just talked about, Derek Wright's had several of those this year. In key games, when guys draped on him, Brandon Bowling, same thing. Uh, the fourth down play that we got out of Carson Terrell uh, against Air Force that that allows us to every one of those guys has stepped up, uh, and that's really the how we want to do it. That's the way we plan it. 
but you don't always have that ability. So I, I think everybody in that group deserves a lot of credit for being ready when their numbers call. So you got Wyoming coming up, and uh, you know on the surface, okay, they're five and five. Anything could happen, but they started four and zero, winning non conference games, and they got into conference and they've gone one and five. And just about the time you want to dismiss them, they beat CSU, and they beat CSU more decisively than the Aggies did. And then they play Boise State really close. They had a late turnover. That kind of messed up whatever chance they had there at the end of the game. So the last couple weeks have been better. What do you see from Wyoming on film? Where, where do they threaten you guys? You know, they're really, really big and physical, and, and that's not necessarily our, our strong suit. We're quick, and, and it played in our favor this week against San Jose. Quick, fast, run well. But uh, this, you know, very similar to the issue we dealt with when we played Colorado State, these guys are going to pack them in, come straight downhill. They settled in on a quarterback, and and that's where you know they go into Colorado State and run the ball up and down the field against a very good Colorado State defense. They kept the total down the other night against Boise and played them well. I mean, they basically have a chance to go down and go ahead if they don't throw the pick. It, they they frustrated them all night, stayed in the game. So. It's a, it's an old-school, physical, uh, ball-control, field-position-type game that you're going to get played. And that's what Craig Bowles is about. That's how he won all those championships that, uh, before he became the head coach there, and he's kept them in a lot of games and, and frustrated the, the mess out of everybody in the league uh, with, with ball-control, defensive-minded, um, field-position football. And, and so we, we, we can't turn the ball over. We're going to have to match their physical nature of play. And I think their defense is really, really good. Maybe the best linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the country. The guy makes plays from sideline to sideline, and they will play man coverage and grab a hold of you and make you separate. And not anybody really in our league's done very well at getting away from us. So it's a, it's a huge game for us because it's the next one, but also the style of play is going to challenge us in ways that we really haven't been challenged in a couple of weeks. Will you talk to your team about making sure they handle the emotions of senior day? Yeah, we haven't really discussed senior day yet a whole lot. You got these super seniors that that kind of already went through this and got an extra year. But I think the playing at home senior day and then the magnitude of what we're playing for—that's we're gonna have to do a good job of controlling the emotions of the day, no doubt. Um, I mean, you, you never know exactly how each guy feels in that scenario. I remember my last game. I think most people do at, at home, and I'm hoping that we can maintain all that and, and still play really, really good ball and just. Take the next step. You'd like to build on what we did a week ago. Did you catch any of the San Diego State-Nevada game on film afterwards or see anything about that? No. You know, they were playing uh, as we were playing. Right. You know, John was on the sideline. He mentioned it. He mentioned the uh, the score and that it was tight and it was coming down to the wire, but we really didn't watch it. And, and we didn't get back till 4.30 in the morning, so I, I moved straight on into to Wyoming as soon as I possibly could. But uh, I know there's a handful of teams on that side that are battling it out and playing great ball. I know there's still a couple big critical games to decide that, that side of the league as well as ours. So nobody's, nobody's in yet, and everybody's got to earn their way there. Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Good luck against Wyoming. We'll keep following you and, uh, and see how this shakes out with two games to go. Talk to you next week, guys, hopefully after a win. That would be good. Thank you, Coach. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. The 8-2 and two Aggies, 5-0 and oh on the road, trailed by double digits in all five games and came back to win all five games. 
Hey, Snake Dog, did you hear about the uh, truck on the freeway? It was loaded with Vicks Vapor Rub and it overturned. Did you see that story? No. No, amazingly, there was no congestion for eight hours. Hey, This segment, except for the last 20 seconds. You get it? You get it? I got it. I got it. (laughs) Brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air wants nothing to do with the last comment. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special. Or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Uh, sounds like we got a great Monday morning with COVID PK. I uh, hope he takes care of himself. Doesn't spread it around because he sounds like he's got the bug. Don't spread no COVID, mister. People worried about your health, PK. You good to go? I'm going to miss you guys. <laughs> Yag, didn't you have a feeling that question wasn't going to get a serious answer? <laughs> Come on. Time for your feedback, everything you think about, all the stuff we've been talking about. The Jazz have lost four out of five after a glorious 7-1 start. It has been a painful week for Jazz fans. Uh, I'm feeling it. Tanner says they don't want it enough. No energy. They look tired. The gassed already? 13 games into the season, can't be tired. No. Randy says any team that hustles and plays physical could beat the Jazz. The Jazz think they can just show up and win. Even Bethune-Cookman? Bethune-Cookman. Now they're playing the Utes. That's a different deal. (laughs) He said any team. He said any team. Bethune-Cookman comes in and just pushes the Jazz around. Uh, I do think that you've got to be physical with the Jazz. If you want to get into a finesse game with them, you're crazy. They shoot the ball too well. I know they're not right now, but they're going to see a lot of that. That would seem to be the scouting report night in and night out for these guys. Rough them up, get under their skin? Absolutely. Okay. Don says ball didn't go in the hoop. Uh, the classics never grow old. Thank you, Don. Thank you for that. Hence ball. their classics. Ball didn't go in the hoop. Michael says too soft. If you get physical, they fold up and start whining. Nobody wants to see him go after the refs anymore, PK. Let us boo the refs. We'll handle that. You guys play. Well, you can do that as long as you win. You can pretty much do whatever you want as long as you win. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. <laughs> Ben says, Larry Miller is in heaven pissed about the Jazz changing colors to something so stupid. He has cursed them. What have they changed? Uh, They got rid of the purple. It's gone forever? Uh, Probably not. It seems to me like they wear six different uniforms, and I really don't know what color they're going to be on until I turn on the TV and see them. Honestly, I look right through that. Yeah. Oh, what color did they wear in the last game? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I see it when they're playing, but I don't remember it for two seconds after it, the game it, is over. And it doesn't, it doesn't recognize with me. Yeah. Rob says, this is psychological. They believe the championship is won by holding back in the regular season. Oh, sort of like a, uh, a thoroughbred, and the, and the jock knows that exactly. he's got a big closing kick. Yeah. So, Wait till you what? get to the top of the turn to really cut yeah. loose. Yeah, and then maneuver your way. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, that's the funny thing about it, man. We're only barely into a month into a six-month season here. Uh, <laughs> Jim says, too many fat cats and sacred cows. What's that mean? Uh, the Jazz have had it too good, and they're soft and sacred cows. 
out of too good. In what way? Everybody's well played. They don't change up the roster that much in the offseason. Well paid. He's probably a guy who wants to move two or three guys and make a big trade and shake it out. Oh yeah, go ahead. I mean, <laughs> they've done they've actually done that before. This is we're kind of getting not we're not quite to the spot in the season where they like to make the deal, but the November December deal, I mean the the last big one was Clarkson, right? And that was a yeah, December a deal. Years ago, yeah. yeah. Did you hear about the man who invented the Ferris wheel? You know, he never meant the man who invented the merry-go-round, and you know why? Well, they travel in different circles. Huge shots to trailer. I think PK might be onto something. Just like Jake and Tony used to have theme days, like We Don't Lie Wednesday, the DJ and PK may have just started Dad Joke Monday. Taking a run with it, PK. It's what you do. <laughs> Is that dad joke or bad joke? Uh, same thing. <laughs> I think he slurred over that. I couldn't tell. I know he said he said dad joke, but they are bad jokes. Well, you know it's Thanksgiving season, right? Did you hear about the lady who went to the uh, buy turkey, and she asked the uh, worker there, "These turkeys get any bigger?" He said, "No, no, they're dead." Greg, I believe the Jazz are doing a lot of jackpotting around out there and playing in tuxedos. There's a Jerry uh, Sloan fan. Yes, yes, yeah. I like that. Classic Jerry Sloan. <laughs> I, I jackpot around a lot. In fact, you, somebody accused me of doing it right now. Right. Uh, Utah joins BYU in the rankings, both in. Good for the rest of the season. Jimmy says, welcome to the top 25, little brothers. The- Did you know that the Energizer Bunny was arrested and charged with battery? <laughs> nice. That was better. That was a step up. And you know what uh, What should happen to whoever invented knock-knock jokes? No. The person should get the Nobel Prize. Get it? Knock-knock no <sighs> instead knock. of ringing the doorbell. Yeah, I got it. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated, PK. <laughs> Did I get it? Well, you can be dense, or come I on, can. Yak, back me up. Falk University, I got, I got to wear that. Some uh, well, now I'm bring that promo back around and I, let, I, let, no, let it roll really, for another twenty four hours. You can be doing some random story on the internet. Or well, the now right I'm now. I'm actually looking up more comments as you talk. So yes, that can happen. Not looking up random stories, <laughs> random stories on the internet. <laughs> Do it a lot. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Uh, I got one more before we leave, so oh, but you continue. No, go ahead. Please do share. Are you done? Yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> I give up. Because you... it's sort of a philosophical think, uh, line here, and you really it's a deep thinking. You would take it on the surface, but I don't know you realize how deep it is. Okay, here we go. Ponder it. I'm pondering. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Because Bring it. No matter how far you push the envelope, it'll always be stationary. Yak didn't like that. He's making a face. I thought that kind of fell in the middle range of what you were doing here today. Energizer Bunny was the best. The others were horrific. Yeah, Energizer Bunny is probably the best yeah. one. Okay, how about this one? You know, you want to sing in the shower, and it's all fun and games until you get shampoo in your mouth. And then, of course, at that point, it becomes a soap opera. Wah, wah. Mercifully, Jake and Ben are about ready to take over. Right here on 97. One other thing. Just kidding. And 1280 The Zone. See you tomorrow.